Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo, yo. When I spit bars in a ring, I'm gonna go hard like Santan. Hello and welcome to another episode of Touchline Fracker. Uh, we are recording live this week. I'm joined by a diverse and eclectic panel. Um, some of us had to go and swap our jumpers because they don't want the listeners to know where they work. And other people are recording in there uncle's bathrobe but we're here regardless let me go around and introduce everybody uh shems how goes it bro i've got nothing left but i'm good <laughs> fair enough so not good yeah uh also joined by spurs nso's finest tobes how goes it i'm good man i'm great yeah? i'm great it's christmas yeah, around back, the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 uh mush also joins us from loveliest house Maybe the loveliest house on the touchline in the touchline network up there for sure. Uh, how yeah. goes it, brother? Firstly, I don't know what I'm competing with. Secondly, um, if I wasn't on the panel, would this count as diverse? Because, uh, interesting <laughs> angle that you're taking there. <laughs> um, I will catch up with HR afterwards and they will send you a 50 character tweet or email. <laughs> Otherwise, how are you? How goes it? I'm good, man. It's been a it's been an eventful day. It's been an yeah. eventful few weeks. I haven't been on the main pod in a little while. Yeah. I feel like I've been I've been flying a bit of a lone flag trying to highlight a few things going on with the club. So I've been looking forward to talking about it. That's good. This is what happens. We come on the main pod, we share it with our, our friends, our enemies, but we also share it with our listeners. And then we go forward. It's a fantastic way to end 2023. Take those agendas all the way into 2024. And don't worry, I won't forget about them. Uh, we're also joined by Mugga's finest, Disu. How goes it? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Merry Christmas, Touchdown Frackers family, and all that good stuff, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas to everyone listening. Before we start, I'm going to do the usual plug to socials. If you're not following on the Twitter, that's bizarre. But give us a follow at Touchline Fracker. We're going to be producing a lot more visual live podcasts, so please give us a, a follow on the YouTube too. Discord is back. We had a couple of Discord um, channels in the last few weeks and we're definitely going to have some during this kind of blurry period post-Christmas 
in between the new year where every day just feels like a Sunday. Uh, so definitely ensure that you uh, jump on in that regard. And uh, other than that, let's get into it. So uh, not such a busy Sunday, but generally a busy weekend. Um, let's start, I guess, with Manchester United, um, a team that uh, doesn't know its head from its tail um, and feels like this is, like I said on Morgan, which you recorded yesterday, like the fifth time in the last eight or so years where it feels like the team is going through a crisis. Disu, uh, we went to uh, West Ham yesterday, the Olympic Stadium, that 12.30 Saturday, all eyes on me kickoff. is exactly how you want to start off your football weekend. What were your thoughts uh, going into the game? So Into that game was, we're going to get packed. I'm not going to lie. I was expecting nothing less than a, than a comprehensive packing. So I wasn't very confident. I even woke up late because I slept very late that day. So, oh shit, well, we got we got a game. So um, I tuned in maybe a couple, maybe 10 minutes late into the game. And then I was quite surprised at the amount of possession that United managed to to have, really. Um, they had a lot of territory. West Ham were very, very bad. They, every time they got the ball, they couldn't really break. They lost the ball, gave it back to United. But we didn't really fashion like a barrage of chances, which you would like to do in, in your kind of more positive moments in the game. Obviously, Garnacho had a very good chance um, and it was pathetically attempted. That, that was really bad. Um, but I always felt that, okay, cool, there's going to be a point where West Ham get into the game and with like they've got three players that I trust to be able to create a goal or score a goal in Paqueta, Kudus and um, Bowen. And I wasn't surprised that all three were involved in um, in two goals. And yeah, man, they just have the, they, they have the level of quality that United don't have which is very, very mad because you're speaking about West Ham who finished, like, what, 14th last year? Obviously, they won the Europa Conference League, but that's, like, like the calling cup of, of, of Europe. Do you get what I'm saying? So, I was looking across the pitch and I was like, hmm, Kufal starts for us, Emerson starts for us, James Wills Prowse starts for us, Paqueta starts for us, Bourbon starts for us, Kudus starts for us. <laughs> I was like... Mm, even Moisey, Moisey starts for us as well, no? So, <laughs> as manager or in the starting eleven, either, either, man. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Because um, he could, he could, bro, he's the same age as Evans. So, do you get what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, it was. Hold on, just I've got to interrupt you. Uh, fresh from Manchester United Twitter account, uh, club statement: Manchester United PLC reaches agreement for Sir Jim Ratcliffe, chairman of Enios to come in uh, with a 25% shareholding in the company's acquisition of the Class B shares held by the Glazer family offer to acquire up to 25% of all Class A shares. The Glazer family and Class A shareholders will receive the same price of $33 per share, further investment of $300 million in the club, Enios delegated responsibility for management of football operations completion of this deal subject to receiving all necessary regulatory approvals including from the Premier League. So, Sergeant Ratcliffe, we've been hearing about this, feels like, for the last couple of months, comes in, 300 million buff, uh, put that on the table right there. Um, how do you yeah. feel? They're saying they're saying minority steak bounce next week, by the way. You lot are cooking, bro. How many bounces, man? How many bounces? How I feel about it? I'm not going to lie. I think I've been very, you don't know me pretty well by now. Mm. I've been very down on United. Um, I think that we suck every year. I, I feel like there's no hope. However, 
Pause, when my boy Shake and Bake Yassib was in a mix, I thought this is a get out of jail free card. Yeah, Shake's gonna come in, sentence everybody to a thousand lashes each, get man in shape. Do you know what I mean? Build us a new stadium, get us a new training facility, wipe out our debt. And I know how the Middle Eastern man roll, they don't carry last, they're not on this losing thing, they're gonna hire the best in class. So I was like, okay, cool, maybe this is a fresh start, right? But then, right. When, when that started to wane. And then I heard, saw Sir Jim and his old ass was going to win. I was like, yeah, my people will never be free, man. My people will actually never be free. So I have no hope. None. There's there's nothing that Sir Jim has done with, uh, is it Lil he owns or? Was it Nice? It's Nice. Nice, nice. nice. sorry, Nice. Um, he's, nothing he's done with Nice lends me to believe that he's going to be some sick owner. He's bare first. He's always trying to buy clubs, yeah, with, with pennies. Well, obviously, relative, relative pennies. Obviously, he's got bare pee. So... I, I, the the worst thing about it, yeah, is I feel like him coming in is like almost a new start for the club, and that almost means Ten Hag gets like another chance. Does does he though? I mean, you spoke about um, the quality of the squad. We've heard the mention of three hundred million dollars to be in, invested. Um, invested in what though? I don't know yet. That's what I was about to ask you. So um, you've kind of highlighted the fact that a team like West Ham across the pitch have enough quality to be fielding more players in the combined 11. Um, how effective would 300 million be considering all the myriad of things that need to be done at Manchester United? 300 million is plenty of money to change your squad around. Plenty. Plenty of money. You just don't have to be dumb. Like, you don't see, I see a lot of fans saying that, oh, a sick DM costs 100 million, a six in the back costs 80. No, they don't. No, there's been like three man bought for those prices. Like, you just have to be smart at what you're doing. Do you get what I'm saying? Spurs literally spent what? How much? Uh, Tobes, how much was Van der Ven? Uh, 43 million pounds all in. Okay, cool. Oh, so, wow. You're I, doing the all in price. That's indicative of somebody who yeah. like that's already <laughs> in. What we said, some Van der Ven. And Madison combined <laughs> is about 80 million pounds. Yeah. That's two transformative signings. It's just there. 80 million pounds, top centre back, top midfielder. 80 mm. million pounds. You don't have to run around slutting for a man. And you don't have also bear man are saying, oh, but this guy, they said it's gonna cost a hundred million. You don't have to pay for it though. Right. This ain't oil or food. You don't you don't need to do it, fam. <laughs> you could actually say no. You could, you could actually say no. You know what I'm saying? Like, consent. Like, you have consent, fam. You know what I'm saying? So, this week, have... how, how are you not going to deal with the one-star hygiene rating in the United Kitchen, man? What's hey, man? fam, I, we'll talk about that on book yesterday. Got, they got Patrice Evra. They got Patrice hey, Evra cooking up a nasty meal. Cooking up a nasty meal, boy. You going to speak to Big Sally in, in, in catering, car because she might have to get a book. I can't <laughs> believe they let that leak. I can't believe people weren't paid, I can't believe people weren't paid to make the problem go away. Listen, do you know, know, do you know another club's hygiene rating? Because I do. <laughs> 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 obviously all fives. Obviously all fives. But it's just part of the... I actually, think, yeah, I actually think that Tobes running an operation can get at least a three-star rating from. <laughs> I know Tobes can get a three-star rating. Protein pancakes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sai is killing me, man. Yeah, so you're saying that um, you feel like 300 million is enough 
to make the uh, the necessary changes to get Manchester United to, I guess, yeah, what, what do you think they could do with that money? Bearing in mind that he's probably not going to spend 100% of that money just on the playing squad. Yeah, no, I think leaking, you know, operations are a mess. The facilities are a mess. Ronaldo let us know. Um, so he's oh, not really... oh, it's the 300 investment all in. That's what they haven't mentioned specifically. Hey, if it's 300 all in, we are in big trouble, fam. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you do... can't, they... can't they do like, um, can't they do like maybe like a hundred odd on stadium regeneration for the nah, time nah, being? Nah, 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 nah. The stadium nah. has to hold that for the time being. We need players, bro. We need players, bro. We need players, fam. Just put a couple. Put a, a couple plastering jobs here and there. Do you know what I'm saying? Go IKEA, get a couple of new chairs. Yeah. Don't worry about the one star. Do you know what I'm saying? We just Uber Eats it next time. Next time, the man them come through. We just order it from the Arsenal. Arsenal did like a little. They did like a little revamp of their stadium. Um, Arsenal Stadium was the other day, fam. Listen, just hear me out. What I'm saying is. I feel like the, the stuff you're asking for, the, the makeshift adjustments, you can make that without eating into all of that reported 300 million. Mm. To your point, 300 I, million. Oh, I need all 300, every last cobalt, bro. I don't I even, even 299.5 is not enough. I need extra 500 bags. I, I need also like a, an inquisitive part of me asked, so what's your knowledge of um, building and repairing a stadium? I don't have any. I don't have any. I'm literally telling you. I'm literally telling you that Arsenal went through a mini I have revamp. No idea whatsoever how much this is going to cost. Bro, bro, right? Listen to what I'm saying. Arsenal went through a mini I revamp. Summer of last season. They yeah. not honestly listen. They switched out. They they switched out. They switched out some of their seats. They fixed yep. some of their screens in the stadium. They fixed out the. They fixed out all of the all of the, the dilapidated bits outside of their stadium as well. And I don't remember it costing them hundreds of millions, right? So what I'm saying is, Man no, United could make the other day, cuz Man United, Man United. Have you been to OT? Okay, listen, listen. Hear me out. Have you been to OT? Yes, I have multiple times. Do you know how much of the cost to revamp that John? Yes, I do, which is what I'm saying. You can make <laughs> smooth, smooth stuff. We have to buy a new joint, fam. We have to get a new joint, bro. We have to Toby thought it was a quick tip to rent kitchens, bro. Toby. <laughs> yeah, no, bro. <laughs> There's 300 million a year for oh. every year for the next 300 years. That's how much this team is. <laughs> so, listen, you don't sound so optimistic with the new the new regime. I have. I, I don't deal, I'm not um, the stereotypical football fan. Well, I just mm. have optimism for optimism's sake, bro. That, that, that makes sense, fam. Man's not a five-year-old girl on Christmas Eve hoping I'm getting my presents, bro. I need evidence. You get what I'm saying? So, like, 99% of our squad stinks. Just to yeah. say that doesn't reflect the views of Touchline Fracker Media Group. This <laughs> 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 is five years old would have been the worst, bro. Telling his parents... No, 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 no. That, that, that choice of... I, I'm not a five. You could have said so many different. This guy's the Grinch. He is the Grinch. I swear to God, he I is the Grinch. Grinch. I might be the Grinch. I'm not allowed. The Grinch. This was five. Did this come with a gift receipt or not? <laughs> 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 yeah, so just, just saying, you're not the average football fan, and you're not eternally optimistic. Yeah, for no reason. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the the current coaching staff leaves me nervously optimistic. The players, the players make me want to actually take up. Hard drugs, the way they're playing right now, and then, <laughs> and then Sir Jim, like I think that's the thing I might, I'm willing to see how it goes, because yeah. I haven't obviously, I'm not a fan of Nisa, I haven't been able to analyze his moves up close, 
But yeah, the spotlight's on you, Jim, brother. The spotlight's on you're under surveillance officially. Yeah, yeah. On this day, you're under surveillance, bro. Yeah. So can, can I just ask a question though? Like, because I've heard I've heard a lot of noise about this takeover, but how much does anyone even know how much influence he's actually gonna have? No, but that's not why I asked. No, I asked no. how much you, you're telling me you're telling me something, but I'm saying how much of that is actually real. Like it's what what say I, is he I, gonna I, have? If I, he I, I, in January, I, I if he wants to in January, is he gonna say yes, yes, go get that player? I want to commission. You know I want to say. Much, honestly, you know as much as you know in that regard, Tobes, we'll have to see. Okay, yeah. To my impression is that that was one of the big contentions of the deal because he actually did pay a premium because he paid what one point five for twenty five percent, which values the club at six billion six billion pounds, which would be like the most um, value takeover if if he was one hundred percent. So I do believe that's the case, and I think that's an amazing deal for the Glazers. Okay, you get all the drama. You get everything. We'll just sit here, just count on our pennies. So yeah, they they're literally laughing. So yeah, I do think I do think it's all eyes on him. <laughs> so we said I'm getting nothing but links Africa. <laughs> Don't kill me. But yeah, I, I do. I do think it's all on Sir Jim, and I hope he's I hope he's got the um, the minerals for it because. Don't think because you're old, you want to dunk on your head the same way, cuz. Like, <laughs> the, the game remains the game. I want to kind of go across to these guys and just get their perspective on Manchester United from the outside looking. I'm going to come across to you, Moshe, you're a man who over the years has kind of reveled in Manchester United's failures and you've kind of taken on a pantomime villain role amongst the Manchester United fans. You've been left for you, Moshe. So, obviously, we, we played at West Ham yesterday, so you would have seen that performance, but Generally, from the outside looking in, um, how are things looking at Old Trafford to you? Well, do you know what? I actually said this to you a few weeks ago. I said the funniest thing about Man United is that the crisis is a different one every few weeks. Like, <laughs> something fixes itself and then there's something else completely wrong. Mm. And it's, it's for me, it's just insane because there's no... And, and I think the other problem is that a lot of fans, you know, the likes of you guys probably have the patience. The problem is... To rebuild properly, you have to fall off and accept that adjustment takes time. But fans also want, not just fans, pundits as well, want to do the whole, this is Manchester United. Anytime Man United lose, nothing's acceptable because this is Man United, right? Yeah. So like, when does that adjustment happen where you let these players grab eighth if you get towards a style of play or something like that? Everything is still failure. Everything is still you know, with those lofty expectations. So, yeah, man, I think at the moment what's interesting is yesterday was so weird because I thought out of the attackers, Anthony was actually one of the better players out, out of the attackers. I mean, that's a very low bar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought it was interesting that it was the first game I've really seen him get joy because he'd come inside. He'd get, mm. He gets no joy in the touchline, but I actually thought he moved into central areas and, and used the ball well. I, I don't want to... I mean, I will knock him. I don't even want to lie. Um, <laughs> it, uh, I thought Garnacho's use of the ball was horrible. Like, other wingers will look up before they cross it. His mm -hmm. only way of crossing the ball is to just smash it across and yeah. pray it goes somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to lie that you think, man. Yeah, yeah that's old school. That's old school pro Evo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Triple track that circle, that circle button. No, I, 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 can't, I can't watch bro no more. I can't do it, fam. Uh, I, I mean, I was Rashford playing any worse than this? Not really. Just no, Rashford hasn't scored a Rashford hasn't scored a bicycle kick. That's the only difference. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's Rashford. that's ten, that's ten hard for you. Like McTominay is in this team because of 
two minutes of football against Brentford. That is why he is now captain of Manchester United. This is the craziest decision-making I've ever seen. So I, I think you made a good point there um, at the beginning about the expectations because it's like every... We're still at a point where every game... Um, the post-match analysis is still like it's around. It's, it's around. This is Manchester United and um, the standard that United should be performing to, which is valid to an extent. But at the same time, it just feels like it's not adjusting to what the reality is. Because the reality is, before that game um, played out yesterday against West Ham, I knew exactly how Manchester United were going to play, and then when it played out, it wasn't a surprise. That's kind of what I expected. So um, I just think it's wild that yeah, like still at this point. The general because there's always like oh like this is Man United blah, blah, blah. like I feel like f- pundits are like need to actually like adjust to what no what, why 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 point. should they why should they adjust to somebody being severely incompetent no because the reality is like it's been a long time since you guys have actually showed any sort of well like, what, what is any sort of what like do you mean like winning titles and stuff if no, 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 I, don't, I don't I don't necessarily mean win titles I just mean just stability like f- from from a style of play point of view from a coaching point of view. Just you do, you do know the team, as much as, as much as I don't rate these youths, they have finished in a top four a few times. They finished second a couple of times. They finished third as well. They finished fourth. So it's not like these men show an eighth. Like, like it feels like that way, but it's not. Yeah. So No, no, no. I, I get that. I get that. But I, 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 The reason why I disagree with that talk, because the standard is the standard, though. You, yeah, are, yeah, a, no, you are a mega club. You're the club that makes the most money in the country. You, the biggest club, you have a lot of influence. There isn't absolutely... That's like Apple... Like suddenly becoming like one of the like just mid pack tech company that should never happen. And just because it's been happening consistently doesn't mean like it, they're not a club where that should be the bar. No, no, no. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that should be the bar. And that's what obviously that's why, that's why their man say it though. That's why their man say it. And and another thing is that you've seen other clubs that, for example, Villa were mm. like 16th. Emre comes, look at them now. Newcastle, similar position, lower the table. Um, Eddie Howe comes, look where they are now. Yeah, Spurs has come up for like a very, very disappointing. Like it just felt like they just wanted just to give up. They mm. wanted to drag Levy by his tie, right. and comes in. Look where they are now. Yeah, that's what, and that's why you have to have standards because there's a certain level of competency that you should have in the football club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, don't, yeah. and and don't. that's and these people know that United have enough resources, and they spend what damn 150 million Mariah every summer. Yeah, yeah. If, Bro, like you know, I'd have opportunities that other clubs don't, and they're still in conversation. It's, so it's, it's not good yeah. enough. Despite yeah, the, right. the fall of Gorn, Don't, don't, yeah, don't what I'm saying. I'm not saying there shouldn't be standards, and I'm not saying that this should be the bar. But what I'm saying is simply saying that this is Manchester United, and like that is the that is the reason why um, the club should be doing better. I, I, I don't know. I just, I just kind of, I, I have issues with that because, yeah, for example, yeah, you said you finished um, second a few times um, and third. Um, but I never really felt in those seasons that you were building anything that was going to be long term. And if and if you look at from from when Sir Alex Ferguson actually retired to now, the amount of times you finished outside the top four has has been has vast outweighs the times that you you have. Do you know what I'm saying? So I just feel like I just feel like, I just feel like the, the even, Sorry, I think it's probably about even. Yeah, same. yeah, I think it's about because typically what we see with most managers is they come in and they have a good first season, but then the second season it falls off. There's a lack of sustainability in regards to kind of like what they build. So they typically, first summer, they, the club gets to spend some money, they bring in some players, they manage the team however they manage it, and they get to the, the next summer, they're kind of like, I need you to go again, I need you to give me another bag. And they're like, we just gave you the bag, guy. I'm not giving you another striker, I just gave you Lukaku. 
You know, mm. I'm not getting you another centre back. I just gave you Maguire, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I guess for me, I'll probably come across the YouTubes. Off the back of how Ten Hag did last season and the progress he kind of made against expectations, what do you feel has happened mm -hmm. to lead Manchester United to be where we are now? I think your buyers in the summer were not good enough, first and foremost. I think yeah. everyone could see it coming from a mile off, right? Um, and I think that's what gave him a little bit of grace in the way in which he finished towards the end of last season. You won, you won one cup, you were in the final of another cup, you've got Champions League football. So it sort of papered over the fact that Man United were ghastly away from home for the no. second half of last season's campaign and the, 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 the style of play was all over the shop. You, you, you knew when Man United travelled away for anyone beneath 11th last season, they're getting bland, right? Yeah. But you gave him that grace because you said, this isn't a squad that's made in your image. You've got the summer window. You know you need to make upgrades in one, two, three, four positions. The summer window for me was a big letdown for Man United because you were signing players that, in my opinion, you did not need, right? right. Um, and, and you were signing... So Mason Mountain was the prime example. Was Mason Mountain is the living embodiment of of a terrible, terrible uh, summer window for Man United. Wow. We're <laughs> throwing, throwing out grammar today, yeah? Fair enough, man. It's the truth, though. <laughs> because because Mason and we we because we said all this, and the thing is, this is why Touchline is such a good problem because we said all this in the summer. We said all this in the summer. It's an aimless sign from Man United, not because Mason Mount is a bad player. I don't think right. he's a bad player because where does he fit in this right. team, and right. where does and what issue does he solve for this team? Mm. And then when you look in the when you look in the intricacies of the deal, yeah, this guy had a year left on his deal, mm -hmm. right? coming off the back of his worst season for Chelsea, his right. worst season for Chelsea, and Man United have gone there and said, here you go, here's £60 million. Mm. Did, in did a you team that... article about Athletic, about all our transfer stuff, like, they yeah. value... I read that article the Athletic, and there's a 30% yeah. muscle injuries. Yeah, I read it as well, man. I, I, I was going to say... Man United get £25 million in the next... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mental. And then even, even, in the, even in the striking department, right, like... We spoke about Hoyland in the summer. Like, I like what I saw of, 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 him, of him at Atalanta. And we said, obviously, Man United were never going to get Harry Kane. Spurs wouldn't sell to Man United. And yeah. they didn't, even if they did, Man United didn't, didn't have the funds to go out and, and, and sign Harry Kane in the summer. Yeah, cool. Casemiro, but, yeah. but you oh, have, you, 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 you've purchased a 20-year-old striker, right, off the back of one season in a top flight, top five European league, right? You know... He's not just, it's very rare for these 20-year-olds, especially on Big Money, to come in and hit the ground running. You know there's going to be an adaptation period. Yeah. And for you to go into the season with him as your rep, as your undisputed first-choice striker and the backup is a washed-up Martial, because I'm going to say it now, he is washed up, it's poor squad planning. It is yeah. poor squad planning. And that's what we've seen throughout Man United's summer window. And I feel like that has played a big part in what you see this season. Because yes, Man United have had significant injuries. They've had significant injuries. They have probably worse than most teams. But the one, the players that come in to replace these players have not been good enough. So then it begs the question, where is all this money going towards? If you're spending, 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 season in, season out, yet the calibre of options that you have to call upon are not good enough. And then that exposes the coach's flaws even more so because he's no longer able to get a tune out of he's not able to get a tune out of the players that he had to begin with he's right. not able to get a tune out of the new players he's 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 signed to this team and he's not able to get man united playing a consistent style so yeah to be honest i didn't expect man united to be this bad right mm -hmm. but i'm not 
I'm not shocked that they're facing issues um, in terms of their style of play and players not gelling because they didn't do enough in the summer to give me full confidence that this is going to be a team that will push on. I thought you you get Champions League maybe again, get Champions League, but I don't see I didn't see you being a threat for the title. I didn't see you laying a glove on Arsenal or, or Man City. Fair, fair enough. I mean, we, we talk about how poor it's been after 18 games. We're eighth. We've won nine games, drawn one, lost eight. We scored 18 goals, conceded 23, and we've got 28 points. So uh, we, still, we still owe the Bank of England five five goals. We owe the Bank of England five goals. So <laughs> this is, I guess, my final <laughs> question for you is, is, is what's, what's next for this team, this manager, this new era? I think Elijah called it the Sir Jim Jam era. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what what comes next? Okay, so what comes next is pain. Um, I, I, all I can see is pain. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a terrible season. We're not gonna make top four. We have absolutely no chance of that. Yeah, um, top five. So what next is the two windows? What could we get cracking in January and summer, right? And they will really determine how we go forward because obviously I don't think Ten Hag is great, but. If there's good enough players, he can kind of get by and that can propel us with the next manager or if he somehow recovers that like Arteta did. So we really need to have a great window. That like we, we need a striker. We need a winger. We mm-hmm. need five midfielders. And <laughs> man up, bro, you need, in my opinion, most teams play three in midfield. So you need six. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. We, we only have one midfielder. That's good, and that's Mena. Every single one of the rest of you are not good. Yeah, so we need five. We've been needing five since 2016. So we need five midfielders. I'll give you two boss. <laughs> oh, if you give me two good, if you give me two good midfielders in summer 2024, yeah, I'll donate 750 grand to a charity of your choice. <laughs> 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 give me. <laughs> We signed two good ones since like <laughs> since secondary school. Since secondary school, we signed two <laughs> Carrick and Pogba. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? So if we signed uh, sign tomorrow, I'll take that. Yeah, fair, so fair enough. It's it, it doesn't look good at all, man. Um, but here here's where you are, here's where you, you end up when your operations are a mess, here's where you end up when you have owners who siphon money from a club. Like you hear the term too big to fail. And it's usually used in like companies, industries where you kind of got monopolies. But even within the football realm, Manchester United felt like they're too big to get to a stage where you're not making signings because you have no money. Uh, but some, somehow that's that's where we are now. But um, let's let's move on. Um, Tobes, I'm going to come across to you guys the 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. special blackout special. You know, people don't get to actually see what you got up to. Probably exactly how you like yeah. it. But you were there. Um, you were against Sean Dyche's Everton. Uh, I, I caught the game. Mm-hmm. You, you guys caught the game too. Um, yeah, the TLDR is lucky to win. Um, but as somebody who was at the game, it would be good to get your your thoughts on the, the performance and where things are. It feels like and just got the team back on track. Yeah, um, I, I I agree with that with that analysis that we were lucky to win. I do think we were lucky to win. Um, I think Everton played really really well. Um, and I felt like a loss was very harsh, very, very harsh on them. Um, I felt like we we do what we normally do, both home and away, which is a fast start. We start, we, which is quite good. We never used to, it's, it's mad. We never used to start games well early 
last season. Now we're starting games really early this season. We went ahead. I was actually quite surprised at the speed in which we went 2-0 up because I would have expected a Sean Dash team be tougher to, to break down because it was tougher for us to break them down last season, albeit with a much more pragmatic manager than we have now. Um, but we went ahead 2-0 up quickly and I was thinking, yeah, floodgates are going to open now. Like Kulisewski's cooking, um, we're, we're cutting through their, their lines with ease, etc., etc. Son and Richardson scored. All I was thinking is, yo, let's run the goals up. Brendan Johnson, maybe you can get in. Kulisewski, maybe you can get in. Everyone can get some. But what happened from the 25, from the 25th minute onwards was just a, a mix of free, a mix of a couple of things. I felt... First and foremost, Everton's um, Everton's shape off the ball is really, really good. I felt like I was actually quite sh- not shocked because I've seen a couple of the games this season where they've pressed high, but they were pressing high away from home. They were literally they didn't really let us build through the central areas, right? We we try and like shuttle the ball out wide, and I think they were setting traps for us. And I think we didn't help ourselves because we were we were so 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 sloppy with the ball, like um, like. The, the the sloppiness yesterday was mental, man. Um, and I'm not just talking about guys who have come into the team after minimal minutes um, that we can't really trust. I'm talking about guys who have been playing since game one, game two, that were struggling. I mean, Papi Matasar, sloppy passes towards the end of the first half and the second half. Kulisewski, right. who was really good in the first half, but really poor in the second half, just giving away the ball carelessly in the second half. Pedro right. Porro. Um, another one, good in the first half, really poor in the second half, giving away the ball inexplicably. Um, ben Davies, who's been really good for us in the left centre-back role. Again, he had a horrible game. Even in the first half when we were playing well, just giving away the ball, just lazy, lazy slack passes and Everton were picking him up. I thought Dwight McNeil had a really good game against us. We couldn't deal with him. He was picking up yeah. a lot of interesting positions. Couldn't deal with him. Andre Gomez came on for them. Yeah, and was sourcing out, bro. Yeah, sourcing out, sourcing out, bro. Um, Bradfweight, really good centre back, man. He yeah. dealt with. Um, I felt he dealt with our um, offensive threats well in the in the second half as well. So, like Everton, I think they did well, and I think with us, um, we we got away with one there. So, um, fair enough. I'm not going to sit here and, and say otherwise, but I'm also going to say like it's it swings and roundabouts, man. Like we've. We've we've had games this season where we've been the better side and we've not won. So I'm not going to complain at getting three points before Christmas and that's three wins on the spin. So yeah, um, it's good to get back onto to winning ways, but there's lessons that we need to to learn from our performance um, after yesterday. Nice little Christmas present for you there, Tobes. Yeah. 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 Scoring goals. How, how how do you feel? I was going to ask about that. Um. It's it's about time. It's about time. Honestly, um, I'm not. I, I could sit here and say, "Oh, I told you so." I read. So I'm not going to do that, man. Like you, you guy... could sit here and tell us that. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I, I, could be, I could be if I wanted to be shameless, but I can't even bring myself to do it because it's like this is the bare minimum. Like mm. you should have been. He, if he was banging in the goals now, the way he, if he was scoring, um, putting away the chances. At the moment, now that he was that he should have been at the start of the season, he'd be on like close to double figures. He'd be he'd be touching ten Premier League goals. He's missed so many chances for us this season. Right. West Ham, Luton, Bournemouth, Brentford, Liverpool. There's just so many chances he's missed in the Spurs right. game for us this season. So uh, I'm not really going to applaud a, a fish for swimming just yet. Granted, 
his performances have improved and I'm happy that he is scoring. I want him to continue the scoring because we're going to need those goals. Son goes off on the Asia Cup in... How, long, how many games is he out for? Well, uh, I think he'll be out for most, most, if not all, of January. Because when did they start the, best the Asia Cup in January? Is this a first time thing? No, it's not a first time thing. It's, it's always been like this. Okay. Like this. How yeah, regular? I can't ever remember. Oh, the last time someone yeah. was off in January. Uh, 2019. So we lost him for we lost we lost him for most of January. Fair enough. His team tend to they tend to do pretty well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is annoying. Um, But yeah, so we're we're gonna lose him. So we're gonna need Richarlison to continue the goal scoring. But objectively speaking, you lose a few players. Like so, yeah, we're we're gonna lose. We're going to lose. Um, we're gonna lose Sam Basuma and Son. That's. Those are the players, and then we still got Tobes. Most people are mainly concerned about Afcon, but for once, we had somebody who's more concerned about the Asia Cup. So that was interesting. There, you completely. Both, both. I'm happy about. No, no, no. It. We're, we're talking about goal scoring. That's why. Yeah, we're yeah, talking, yeah. We're yeah. But give us the, your thoughts on the overall player personnel. You know. Yeah, no, it's 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 peak for Spurs. It's actually peaks. Uh, yeah. You guys have, have watched Spurs this season. You see the difference that someone like Papi Matasar makes to our team when he plays on the team versus when he doesn't play. Right. The difference is scary when the play when you look at the players that, that yeah, come in. Cool. So You're basically, gonna have your whole first choice midfield gone. Yeah, Madison's not back until yeah. mid January. Uh, uh, Benton Core uh, not back until yeah. towards the end of January. Um, Van de Ven apparently might be back in training in two weeks. So, mate, uh, we've. We've been battered, man, squad-wise this season, and it's going to continue. I'll, I'll be so. Oliver Skipball, yeah? Try it. Yeah. That, we need to sign players. We need to sign players. And I think I think the club know that. So. Are you linked so. to anyone strongly? Yeah, we're linked with uh, Tadebo, but I don't know if that deal's going to get done, but we're linked with him. Apparently, we're in talks. Fab said we're in talks. Yeah, that's um, what I'm doing now with Sir Jim, I'll be honest. Sir Jim Jam, you're not getting... You're not getting <laughs> yeah, and if, if that's the way the cookie crumbles, then so be it, man. I'm not really... Not really hung up on Tadiba like that. Like my priority is Spurs just sign a good player. Like I think the work they did in the summer has given me enough to at least give them some breathing room. I'm not gonna have my foot on their necks this January. Let them do their wow. job. Unless your name unless your name is Daniel Levy and your name is Leo and you're getting on my back about Daniel Levy, then I'm gonna talk. But the recruitment team, I'm gonna let them do their jobs in January. They said that they're looking for a centre back, they said they're looking for an attacker. So let me see them do their job in January. Try and get players in quick, and hopefully they tick they tick the boxes. So no credit to Levy for bringing in Ange. No credit to Levy for the the current operation. Hey brother, listen, I ain't gonna applaud a fish for swimming. Yeah, look, I ain't I, gonna I, applaud I, a fish for swimming. But I wouldn't. To, let me play devil's advocate here. I wouldn't call it applauding a fish for swimming because we look up and down the league, and we look from all the years we've been following football, and several organisations and enterprises, big, small, medium are inadequately mm-hmm. run. So no matter how you feel about Levy, the man, you have to say that his tenure at Spurs has been an overwhelming success, no? It's been up and down, up and down, up and down, yeah? Who would have thought that you'd be here, Tobes, eh? Who would have thought? We're here, we're here, right? You've got to give him his... No, 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 no. But you, you say this now. Circle back to five months ago. Would yeah. you be talking like that was this? your guy, Antonio Conte? That was the that no, was that the wasn't just on Conte. That wasn't just on Conte. That wasn't just on Conte. But we're not going to take this conversation into a Levy. What have you done for me? Chat, yeah, cool. Let's just leave that and let's see what they can do in January. But yeah, Levy yesterday, took your, Levy took your poncy club, yeah, from White Hot Lane, a little 
itty-bitty stadium, gave you a big blood clot stadium, brought you and brought you some good players. Have some respect, man. You look have some respect, have some respect for the guy who... You're have some respect for the guy who brought us a Wasco, Wash Jose, Nuno Espirito Santo, was looking at Gattuso, um, Basically, brought us you a bunch of Jose Grace. No, 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 no. I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing it. We're not doing this today. I don't care what you have to say. We're not doing this. Today. I like that. We're, we're not doing, doing this today. That means we're going to do it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Cool. Have some respect here for 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 Levy. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Shems, it would be remiss of me not to come across to you today. The only game on the Sunday, so a, a rare All Eyes on Me special where literally this is the only football we're getting directly before Christmas Day. Um, you guys went away to Wolverhampton, so up, up to the Midlands. Um, what happened, brother? Um, well, I feel like it's the same, it's the same story from most of our games this season, um, whereby we well, of recent, to be fair, where we um, look somewhat dominant um, and were able to get into good positions, able to get into the opposition box quite quite, quite a few times. But our decision-making... Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, we, come on, guys. We've been doing this for too long. That's the decorum. That's the decorum. work for me on Christmas. <laughs> and again... This girl's chasing him down. <laughs> this, is, this is how they panned your WhatsApp, cuz. This is how they panned your WhatsApp. <laughs> this is the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, I'm on my Mac. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, oh. it's the no, same. Here we go. No, no, okay. <laughs> 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 They're going to hack, They're gonna hack his Mac soon somehow, and he'll be like, guys, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Grab your, don't let us grab your Apple ID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so dumb, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Apple, email and password. <laughs> 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 I need to organize the prayer meeting. What's your Apple ID? Those who listen to don't know our beloved Shem somehow got got hacked on a WhatsApp. Happens to our mums, man. But yeah, go on, go on, Shem. Talk to us about the Chelsea. Yeah, as I was saying. Um, so yeah, it's the same familiar story over the past like few months whereby we're able to get into good areas, but um because our attackers have such a lack of decisiveness and ruthlessness, everything just kind of breaks down in front of goal. Um, I think that was the main theme throughout today, even though especially the first half. I'll say the first half was when we actually looked quite good. Uh, we looked somewhat dominant in terms of um, we were pressing high to, and winning the ball off walls and I'm quite, quite a few times, actually, and putting them under pressure, which is something I haven't actually seen too many times from us this season, but um, it was quite apparent today. And, you know, we, we moved the ball okay. You know, um, we got into areas pretty quickly. It wasn't too slow. It wasn't too passive. Um, so it looked like, you know, if we could actually be decisive and actually make the right decision. There's a few goals here for us because um, we were getting in. And Wolves didn't look all the way comfortable, especially in deeper areas. Um, so, yeah, I thought the first half was okay in terms of from a performance point of view. I think Sterling missed a criminal chance where he should square it, really. Um, yeah, square it or score. But, yeah. you know, with really Sterling, cool. like, I kind of go into every game thinking 
he's going to do something that's going to drive him up the wall generally. So I, I'm just kind of numb to it. But then I think the second half was kind of, I think the second half well, was inferior. Wait, Shems, what about the Jackson chance where he doesn't control it, man? Sterling yeah, yeah, the, yeah, Jackson as well. He was. Well, Shems, before you, before you continue, before you continue yeah. as well, like, because even the first half and some of the second half as well, obviously they're not going to be registered as big chances, but even the moments where like the ball comes to Broyer in the box and he's got a clear sight in that goal and he just doesn't find his feet or Sterling flashes the ball across the face of goal. It should be a tapping for a striker who's switched on. He's not switched on. Like these aren't like clear cut chances, but they're big moments that really should be converted into at least shots on target. And Chelsea are getting nothing from these moments. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And there's many times, just to add on to that, there's many times in games, I think this is even this is even apparent in a Newcastle game where we'll get good crosses into the box as well and there's just no one in there. Or we'll get the ball out wide into a good position where the fullback or the winger will look to cross it, but because there's no one there, um, it breaks down. So, and whilst it's not a big chance, it's like, you know, you've worked into a good position, but you can't actually finish it off and and, and, and make something out of it. But yeah, I was I was going to say, I think the second half was was pretty, was, was a shambles, if I'm honest with you. I think um, for all our good, good possession play in the first half, um, the second half, we allowed mistakes, comp- um, complacency and indiscipline to creep into our game. And it's a theme this season. I feel like, I don't know whether it's because the group of players are so young and immature, but it just seems to be a theme whereby they, yeah, the, the, the discipline especially, just making really, really silly fouls and then picking up bookings. Jackson has got eight bookings for a striker, which is outrageous. Sterling and Palmer are going to be suspended for the next for the next game. So it's just, it's a recurrence. Oh, wow. And then the mistakes hey. are made. Um, the sassy, um, Silva dwelling on the ball too long. Just, just, Badia Shul coming on making mistakes. Just, just so catalogue of errors. Gusto um, was awful in the second half. Just and then, giving away the ball. Like, yeah. What? And then on top of that, like our structure really does worry me. Like Poch doesn't fill me with any confidence that he can actually make good decisions to turn the game around. He done it once against Sheffield United a couple uh, a couple of weeks ago when he switched Sterling and Palmer in the second half, and then we, we ended up scoring two goals. But other than that, he doesn't fill me with much confidence when we go behind um, that he's gonna be able to make a tactical tweak to turn it around. And I think the biggest problem with Chelsea is that we're, so, we're, we're not that difficult to beat. And if we, for us to win a game, we have to keep a clean sheet, essentially, because we can't, we can't score. For, we can't score. This um, is damning. This is damning. So I guess my, one of the plethora of questions I could potentially have for you here, Shems, is uh, what, what happens next? Because obviously we spoke about the injuries. You're starting to get players back and Kunku grabbed a goal, which obviously indicates that kind of fox-in-the-box nature that he has. Uh, Madweke came from uh, Mordor. Like, I didn't expect to see him anytime soon. And he's he's back on the pitch, stinking it up. Like, what actually is going to happen to you guys next? Because um, this would, if, if you were to decide to go down the route of getting rid of uh, Potts, potentially, this is, what, your third manager in a, in a year or so. So what are you expecting across this period and for Chelsea in the short term? Um, I actually think Madweke is actually decent, but... What am I expecting over the short term? Um, I don't expect us to... I've, I've not seen anything to suggest that we are going to go on an upward... That we are on an upward trajectory, essentially. I think, yeah, that's that's literally what I can say. Um, right now, we're trending downwards, to be honest. And that's just how it feels. There's nothing that the coach is doing that suggests that things are going to get better because he's still making decisions that baffle me, such as bringing off, such, such as only playing with one fullback and persistent with one fullback throughout the game. Um, so when he brought on Matson today, he took off Gusto. 
he just he only just wants to play one fullback. I don't get it. Um, the the attack again doesn't seem to be gelling and improving um, with games. So in terms of the decision making and and uh, an actual clinical nature of 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 the guys, that that doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, relationships don't seem to be getting any better. Whilst we do have, whilst we do see bits of decent link up play um, in our matches, I believe mainly through Palmer, um, I still don't think they are cohesive enough to hurt teams on a weekly basis. So yeah, there's nothing that's getting better for me to suggest that the team is going to rise up the table. So I fully expect us to remain between 8th and 10th. Wow. Disu, I know you're somebody who's watched a lot of uh, and you've got stacks in, uh, you've got stacks, you know, stocks and stacks, I guess, in Enzo um, Fernandez. From the outside looking in, um, the signings they've made, obviously, we've spoken a lot about how they've spent a billion pounds and whatnot. What signings are, are justifying the, their presence in the Chelsea team, in the Chelsea squad at present? Which players do Pochettino, which players are Pochettino able to look at and say, you know what, this is a player I can build with going forward? Because from the outside looking in, I haven't watched Chelsea as much as yourself or even a, a, a Shems would have. It doesn't look good. To be honest, I think the players looking at Poch is, is this a coach we can rebuild with. Um, that's for starters. Uh, number two, in terms of the players, I think quite a few of the players that Chelsea bought, I don't think the price they paid matches um, actual market value, including the players that I rate. Um, however, in terms of players that I think that any competent coach can can use and be good players, I think Gostos got a lot of promise. He didn't have a great game today. Magishile actually looks good, despite um, the back-to-back mistakes. Um, for Fana, we saw a lot of him. Leicester, he looks really talented. Obviously, he hasn't had the greatest time at Chelsea. I think Enzo is excellent. I think Caicedo, we see them be excellent. Um, Sterling's obviously a class player. Uh, Palmer looks like an excellent prospect. So there's there's enough players there. Lavia, I think is I think is class. There's enough players there where you're like, okay, cool. Like you you could do something with this. Obviously, Thiago Silva is ever present. Quality, 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 quality player. I think the issue with their team structure. Oh yeah, and Cuckoo, I forgot. That's another quality player. The issue with the team structure is like. They just got a bunch of mismatched profiles where it doesn't really lend to a particular style of play. Do you get what I'm saying? And also, there's certain things that you need in a team to be successful. You need somebody that can you can consistently rely on to score and create goals consistently. Final third, this person is consistently going to make the right action and put up end results. They don't have that at all. They don't. Uh, maybe Unkuku is going to be that, but as of now, they haven't had that at all. Um, and also, I think in midfield... Like they also lack that link between that in that kind of high end of the pitch. So that's why I think Poch has tried to like force Enzo to be a 10 because Enzo is like one of the only players who could take the ball in a half turn. He can he can control and tight spaces and find a pass. But Enzo's not really a 10. And then we put Enzo in a 10, then you struggle to progress the ball through the phases because Gallagher and Caicedo, that's not really, really the game like that. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think the squad is a bit mismatched. Um, I think they need to truncate their squad. Um, I know this has always been their thing. They got they buy bare players with promotion, they sell some, but I think they really need to narrow down into okay, cool, these are the players we're gonna use. This is how we want to play football. Are we gonna be a counter-attacking team? Are we gonna be a possession team? Are we gonna be a very aggressive PMP team? They need to actually decide what type of team they're gonna be. And then obviously players that profiles suit that, utilize them. The players that don't sell them and kind of hone in on that. So until they decide what they're gonna do, it's a bit 
I agree to an extent. I, I, I actually think that there's a there's a lot of technical players in the squad. Um so I think we we have the players to play a style whereby you know we kind of pick our moments like we might sit in a mid-block shape and then kind of just pick and choose our moments, if that makes sense, and then keep the ball relatively well. Um, I don't necessarily think we're not devastating enough to be a counter-attacking team per se. Um, so, yeah, that's how I feel. And then I and I think the second thing is just, whilst I agree in terms of that, the style of play point um, and the players, you know, have mismatched the players, I just think Poch is just not helping himself as well. Like, if he was making competent decisions, then, you know, he would have a leg to stand on, but he doesn't because a lot of games we go into the we go into games and our team looks very unbalanced, or the subs just don't make sense, or you know, yeah, it's just I, I really I, I think Poch is he's really really made a mess of this first mm. half of the season because mm-hmm. as you said, there's a lot to work with, there's a lot of players, with, and there's been a lot of change. Don't get me wrong, it takes time to understand this group of players. Don't get me wrong, I, I completely mm-hmm. get that. Um, which is which is why I would I would love the board to stop signing every young player under the sun, but that's a yeah. different conversation. But at the same time, you've had he's made full use of what he's had. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at this point, we we all know who you, who you kind of rate and who you want to use in the short term, and we kind of have an idea of who you don't. So just make just just make decisions that make sense. Like just play two fullbacks. Um, yeah, and, and just get. That's, I need to. I would. I, I wish a uh, journalist would just simply ask him why he, why he does that. Yeah, and like if he was doing that, if he was making good, like decent decisions from a starting point of view, then okay, cool. I can I can be like, you know what? Did we're failing in the final third because I think our build up play is fine. To be honest, I don't think our build up play is that bad. I've seen us build up worse. Um, no, no, I think you're one of the better build up teams in the league. It's just I think in both boxes you leave. I was trying to say I don't I, for for everything I've said about the attack. I also don't feel like we're particularly solid anymore because and even the the Carwell thing at left back that doesn't. You would think that having the extra defender day, you would be a bit more solid. Maybe he would invert or maybe he oh. would um be an extra center back but he's not actually that he's just literally a center back playing at left back he's not actually doing anything that helps the defensive phase in terms of maybe being an extra body there or do you know what i'm saying or maybe we revert to a, a three in possession none of that happens he's just there playing left back <laughs> which again i don't get so um yeah we've last season for all our struggles in front of goal we were actually pretty okay defensively but that's gone out the window and i think that's down to the, stru- the lack of structure that Poch has put in place, uh, particularly when we're defending and and off the ball. So, yeah, so it's only the big games where I felt like tactically he's got a good structure in place. Other than that, we've we've looked both all. Yeah, yeah, you are who you are, who you are, who you are. I guess um, I don't even want to ask you what comes next. Um, you've already told us eighth to tenth. Um, so I'm going to come to you, Mush. Uh, the big game yesterday. Anfield, Arsenal, um, two sets of teams, two fan bases that are at the top of my most detested list. Um, So it was one of those games where I wanted you both to lose. Um, Talk to me. There's been a lot of narratives, a lot of discussions about, Mm. you know, defenders being able to hold back a line of four Liverpool attackers. And was that handball a handball? And this this player that. So it'd be great to hear from your perspective how you thought the game went. Um, and what the second half of the season potentially looks like for your team. 
Yeah, man. I guess the the first thing is, like you said, is one thing. You know, United fans are, are hate their team more than any other fan base actually hate their own their actual rivals. So it's one of those where this is a fan two fan bases that are feeling themselves confident, high up in the table. So there were, I felt like there was a lot to lose. Um, obviously, a lot of the Arsenal fans I interact with, I've got, I have plenty to say. So I was praying that we we stepped up, and I guess. Um, it was a week before that of two different games, right? We had the United game where Liverpool are forcing the ball, really bad look on, on how things are, are going at the club. And then you have the West Ham game midweek, which is a perfect way to kind of just remind yourself the quality that you do have. So I actually think that game came at the perfect time. Um, yeah, I guess the, the game itself, firstly, I think Klopp did the right thing of talking about the crowd, waking them up a bit because it felt like a big game. And he, and he kind of, I think everyone who watched it, it, it had that feeling of there was a lot at stake. All the players looked sharp. The, I, when I look at the goal itself, the first goal, Gabriel's goal, sometimes goals are hard to analyse, man, in terms of the header was quality. The one thing I will say is he's, he's amazing, but Alisson kind of half came out without really deciding on what he was going to do. And I, and I don't think that was a good look on his part. Although when I look at where the header was placed, even if he was on his line, that might still have gone in. But even then, you, you should, you know, deal better with it. Arsenal probably then settled a bit better. But I felt the one thing that Liverpool did was rather than looking like a dangerous team, we looked like a composed team that had a plan of how we were going to score. Um the route of going from Trent into Salah was was one that, you know, we overcomplicate football with tactics sometimes. Sometimes when you know you've got the better of a fullback and your winger's on form, just keep giving him the ball and something's going to happen. And I thought Trent's quality on the ball, absolutely amazing. His passing to, to get that ball to Salah was amazing. And that's how the goal came about. Like, just literally a raked quarterback pass from out back. Isolated Zinchenko, I thought Zinchenko's attempt was pathetic because he just had no plan on where he wanted to take Salah at all. Um, I think it's also a bad look on Arsenal that no one was helping Zinchenko. It was it very much no one shuttled across to, you know, double up. The finish was incredible. You know, it, it was just so well hit. Admittedly, I don't think Salah was having the greatest of games, to be honest. The number of times he dribbled in the middle of the pitch where he overran it, made a bad choice. That, that was just the theme of it. But after that, I thought that the halftime happened. I know that there's plenty of little things we probably want to discuss. The handball was obviously a big thing. Now, I personally think it, it was a handball. But the reason why I, I've probably spoken about it least is that Liverpool scored five minutes after. So, like, it was it was fine. Like, the, the story of the game wasn't defined by a handball that happened 20 minutes in. And who's to say if that penalty happened? Liverpool got a penalty against Arsenal last season. Salah missed the pen. So there's no guarantee that people like to count big moments as goals, but they never realise that a goal changes the whole story of a game. So I, I don't like doing that analogy at all. The point was, luckily, we scored early enough for that to happen. And then, man, from about 45 minutes to minute 60, that was peak Liverpool gagan pressing, man. That was just Arsenal could not breathe. I think it's a bit arrogant sometimes of thinking you're going to play out of it. Like sometimes if something's not working, just go back to front. I'm not saying go long, but maybe clip it over or something. Arsenal seem to just keep playing short and, and wanting to invite that pressure. 
But what I will say, and I'm happy to talk about it because I've got to own this L, was that all of that good pressing, <laughs> every time Dominic Sobozlai received the ball in that second half, honestly, honestly, whoever took Diaz's dad, they found their next culprit, man, because I, I don't want to see that guy again. Honestly, <laughs> it was... I'm glad, I'm glad we got to this topic. <laughs> you, need, you need to grab a couple of my dad's steel. A couple of my dad's... Right? <laughs> no, hey, do you know what? That would actually be, that would actually be a peak way to target poor performances. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's that game? Who's We love mommy, but who's dad's getting grabbed this week? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that man's whose dads are annoying. Like, oh, that couple of things, man. He's talking there. Oh, my days, man. Can I, can I just jump in here? I think I yeah, think Liverpool played, played really well, um, especially after what they served up against Manchester United last week. Um, I was I was going into the game thinking that Arsenal would 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 win quite comfortably, to be honest with you. And and that's yeah. how. And obviously they started fast, but I think Liverpool really took over after like the first ten minutes. I think they looked back to peak Liverpool in terms of being able to put. Arsenal under sustained pressure for long periods of time. Um, and obviously, like you mentioned, the pressing as well. Um, getting Arsenal players caught deep in their areas. It, I think I think Liverpool look good. The only concern, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Mush, it'd be interesting to see what, what you think and what other yeah. Liverpool fans think. I just feel that the team, whilst the team gave so your midfield gave Arsenal's midfield a runaround, in my opinion, even though I thought Declan Rice played that role. But generally, I think your midfield, you won the midfield battle quite well. But when I look across the team, and especially the 11 that was out yesterday, I feel there's a lack of creativity um, when players have the ball position. So uh, apart from Trent, obviously, whose passing is phenomenal, I just don't see anyone else who can kind of have that creative mantle. When Harvey Elliott's not in the team, so obviously when he comes, comes off the bench, he does really well. I think Salah creates chances more so from his dribbling and his yeah. um, ability to disrupt the opposition. But other than Trent Alexander-Andre, I just feel like everyone else with possession, I don't see anyone else who's quite as inventive um, throughout the team. I feel like it could be a problem. I don't know what you think. But um, Curtis Jones is a good player, a good technical player. And I think he had a pretty good game yesterday. But again, I don't really see it in him. I think Sabozlai can be quite hellish sometimes. Um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of my takeaway from the game yesterday. If Trent wasn't on the pitch... Um, who was really going to make things happen. And it's interesting because it seems like Trent has really been given that freedom. Because um, I remember actually for the goal, for the goal that he set up for Salah, um, it was interesting because he picked up the ball deep and then he actually yeah. told Kanate to go wide. So the two centre-backs split and he dropped in. And I was like, right, that's that's different. Like Trent's been given this freedom to kind of dictate almost from a from a D DLP position. He's got Endo in front of him and he's behind Endo kind of making things happen. So I was thinking that's, that's good because obviously Trent is a phenomenal player and he should probably be given that licence because he's so special and what he can do on the ball. But I just feel like if it's not him, I'm not quite sure who's going who's gonna to do it. And that's probably why in the last couple of games, so particularly against Man United and other games where he struggles to break them down. But yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're here now because I've, I've, I've wanted to talk about this. I've, and I've talked about it through various platforms, but... Mediums. <laughs> yeah, various mediums, man, but I've needed to discuss this. We are now, guys, at game six, where apart from Mohamed Salah, no attacker has scored a goal, Yeah. We are now at a stage where the likes of Cody Gakpo and Darwin Nunes and Diaz, none of them in the Premier League have scored more than two goals in 12 games. Yeah, It is absolutely insane 
that you can have a set of attackers be this high in the table and have a set of attackers that are putting up numbers that get most teams relegated. Like, it is, it is absolutely crazy to me how we basically have three or four players who have been absolutely incredible, and that's carried us to where we are, it's essentially. that That's what we're doing. I would say... Yes. Sorry? Is it sustainable is my question. Well, this is the question. It, is you it can say the same for Arsenal, though, because, true? like, Arsenal strikers don't be scoring. Um, Gabezius has got, like, two or three. Martelli's got, like, two or three. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe that's... Three MPGs. Yeah, I maybe think, that's... I think games, by the way. I think Arsenal are harder to beat than Liverpool, whilst it doesn't make it more sustainable. Yeah, yeah. And also the midfield as well. I think Arsenal are just a bit more rigid. But yeah, go on, Mish. Yeah, no, no. I, I was going to say that I think that was the only difference in the game yesterday compared to most of our games this season, which is that I thought defensively, in terms of our centre-backs and Endo, they look really accomplished in terms of knowing their job, knowing what to do. That doesn't mean you stop Arsenal completely. They've still got quality players. But you guys watch Liverpool. You guys watch some of these basketball matches we have away from home. Did mm. you ever think in that game yesterday, Liverpool look wide open? Where's, where's, where is everyone? I don't think any of us had those feelings in that game. And I think yeah. credit to Endo there. That was probably the best he's played in a, in a tactical sense. Um, was and for Bozlai, as horrible as he was on the ball, off it, he helped Trent a lot. It never felt like that wing was wide open. Yeah, fair enough. Martinelli might wriggle past someone. And then Konate had his top two or three games he's ever had for Liverpool yesterday. I thought it was absolutely incredible. So it just combined for us looking quite solid. The question is, if we maintain that, I think we concede very few goals throughout the season. But it's just about, you know, can the Endos and Konates replicate what Trent and Van Dijk and stuff are doing? Yeah, I think you're right to, going to, to get onto your tackles because, yeah, the likes of Diaz are just falling off a cliff because he was looking very ingenuitive when he came. Um, whilst I never saw him as a as a goal scorer that was going to ever score near the amount of goals that Mane scored, um, I saw him as someone that was very, very ingenuitive. Um, but yeah, he, was, he, couldn't, he couldn't get past Anthony last week. Yeah, he's he he absolutely falling off a cliff. I think, I think, and I also think there's problems there in, in the in the front three because it, it, it seems to always rotate. It, it, I don't know if it's just me. Like Salah's the mainstay, and then obviously Gapo comes in. Um, just has been injured for a while. It's Gapo and Nunez, so we're not really sure. No one can really kind of. Yeah make their claim for that spot. I think I think I think Gapo playing yesterday was the wrong choice because there's no way he's going to get any change physically from um Saliba and Gabriel. Whilst I think he's a good technical player and in the box um he's got decent um striking ability and can, can probably nick a goal. I think Nunes would probably be the better option just simply someone who can actually be a bit then, with the defenders and actually run my thing with that though is with Nunes he's just too poor from a technical perspective. And like he, if he does get the ball and somehow he does manage to sort of like wrestle off Saliba or Gabriel, he will just turn over possession. Or yeah. if the if the chance falls to him in the box, he'll miss that chance. This is the problem with Darwin Nunes. Whenever he gets given a run to try and stake a claim for the central role, he just gives serves up rubbish. He serves up rubbish. He serves up missed chances. And then he gets chucked out on the wing. He was brought in to be their nine, but they had to go and buy Gakpo in January because he was not fulfilling his duties as a nine. And I feel like whilst Gakpo had a terrible game yesterday, and it's not going to be easy. Listen, you're going up against, you're going up against the top two centre-back pair in the league. 
Like that's a fact. Like no no guy you put in the middle yesterday was going to have a good game of football against those two centre backs. However, I understood the the, the the point of starting Gakpo because if you do get a chance in the box, he's more likely to take that chance than Darwin Nunes. I, 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 I was going to say one sec. I was going to say that you guys are talking about who might take the chance. I actually think Klopp's mentality was more Saliba and Gabriel are playing so well this season. I'm going to accept whoever plays in that role isn't going to get any change. So it's the two playing on either side that are actually going to be the ones who are going to get the chances or being able to make the runs. So Nunes has better movement than, than, than Gakpo. And why would you play Salah? And I hate why we did this from an hour onwards. But why would you move Salah centrally when you know he's going to rip Zinchenko to shreds? I just thought that was the graveyard shift yesterday, yeah. playing centrally. So mm-hmm. put someone there who's at least technically competent so that if the ball comes, you give it. But mm-hmm. I mean, but the thing is, Curtis Jones, really good. I felt justice for Harvey Elliott was needed because how many more times are you going to play well? Come on. Hey, speak it, where would you use Bro. him? Where would you use him? Bro, it's cold, you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah where would I use him? Um, yeah. I, I think left, either the left or the right number eight slot. Okay. Because the, the thing for me mm. is I get that some players might press better. Some players might have more games under their belt. But, mm. bro, none of them are serving up anything that's better than what yeah, Harvey Elliott is serving up. I, I agree. So you'd, you'd drop potentially Sabozlai to bring Harvey Elliott in. Is Sabozlai playing well enough for me to need, need to play him? Like, this isn't a guy who has the Salah level of cachet at the club. That, that means that he should be playing. Like I, I, I asked you as a man who compared him to Stevie G because I'm just trying to see where your head's at, basically. Yeah. I said, um, I said well, I've adjusted that to say Stevie G at LA Galaxy in it. So we're, we're, uh, <laughs> so, statement stands. so obviously you kind of mentioned the, the, the profligate attack. Um AFCON's coming up, so you know you're losing you're losing Salah, oh, Asia Cup's coming up, so I'm assuming you're gonna be losing Endo too. Um how do you get through the January period, or should I say what are your Thoughts in in, in like anticipation of the January. Where are your goals going to come from to keep you keep you up there? Honestly, apart from Jota coming back, right, mm. who has some form of respectable like trust, I have in his return. Nothing prolific, but something. The the others playing well is honestly is based on nothing. Like it cannot be based on anything. These are guys that have not scored since like October, bro. We're celebrating Christmas tomorrow. Like it, it cannot celebrate in Christmas. I, I'm me and Mo Salah. I don't know if anyone else is right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's actually it's actually crazy because there was a period a few a month ago or so where we were talking about how dangerous Liverpool's attack is yeah. and they have so many goal scorers. We were fooled. It was an illusion. It it, it has to be an illusion, not because and I re- I know it sounds like I'm the Liverpool hater here, but it's not that. It's just like. There, there, is there any other attacker in the league who scored one in 12? I don't know. Let's say Jordan Archer at flipping Sheffield United that you put up in the rankings that we do with these Liverpool attackers. No. Nah, I think Cameron Archer's got like three and nine or something. Yeah, he's, so he's, he's, exactly. doing, he's doing his job. He's, he's securing yeah. himself a Premier League. Yeah, he's securing himself a Premier League. So, so tell, tell me now, when Mohamed Salah isn't there, what I can base my hopes on like like I I need to hope they are not playing anything like they do there's nothing based on evidence 
I actually need them to find something to refute the evidence. Like that is literally it. There's a theory hey, that has to cross like he's never crossed before, you know. <laughs> There's a theory. Five hundred crosses and hopefully man convert two or three because. There's a theory I, I think that. Think that, that uh, Go yeah, on, God, sorry. There's a theory that uh, Bill Simmons coined in basketball called the Ewing theory, and basically, oh, yeah, yeah, it's based on like in the '90s, the New York Knicks were very heavily reliant on Patrick Ewing, who was like their star center and whatnot. And then he got injured, and he got injured, and they went on a really good run, and they got really far in the playoffs, like further than they, I think, gone with him by like one or two seasons. And the theory was basically when a team is so reliant on a star player, what it means with other players is that they play smaller than themselves because they have no responsibility yeah, 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 yeah. everything goes through that star player. So I guess with that in, in, in mind, Mush, when you look at the players who will be left when Salah goes to the AFCON, who do you think potentially could rise from the ashes? Yeah, I, well, I think, even though it's annoying me that I'm going to say it, but I think Darwin will be the one to do it. And I'll tell you why. It's because, you know how... My, I think the problem with Darwin at the moment is that he plays for a team that often creates six or seven chances for him alone. That's that crazy. he feels he feels no consequence for missing the first chance. And and I think what needs to happen is Salah not to be there for yeah. Klopp to grab them all in a headlock and be like, yo, the guy who bails you guys out all the time is not here. So just know that there are consequences for if you guys miss. I mean, there are consequences now as well, right? Even when the, you miss the, 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 the six or seven, it's probably dropped you some points, which would have but, you... But are the consequences there if you know that you've gone 11 game, Premier League games without a goal? Or 11 games, sorry, without a goal, and you still start most games? I don't think there's consequences there. Now you're directly affecting the outcome of the team. Yeah. I think that's important. I think that's so important because, yeah, I think the defence will, will fix itself. Left back, I think Joe Gomez will come in and do well anyway, to be honest. So I don't, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about that, even though Simicast has picked up a bit of form. Right. It all comes to one thing, man. We've got 11 players on the pitch, but two of them don't count because they don't do anything. So I need players who, you know, I need it to feel like 11 rather than nine. That's, that's step, step up, step up from the ashes. Like, I look at, I look at the, the top of the table now. Arsenal top, they've got 40 points after 18 games. You guys are second. You've got 39 points after 18 games. Like, assuming you were both to win in your next games, that would be tracking for about mid-80s, mid-80s yeah. to win the title, which would be the lowest in, well, lowest since I think City won it pretty comfortably when we came. Did, um, did, you, did you see the comments, by the way, from Klopp after the game? He, he, he worded it really carefully, like, quite carefully. He said that what, how many points we have is great for this team. So I feel like he doesn't think this team you have enough. Yeah, is as ready. It's like it's amazing we're here, and obviously we want to still be here. But he thinks that like, oh, we've kind of all forgotten that the average age of the midfield is twenty-two. You know what I mean? And things like that. And it's just and the, prof and, and the attack. There's no goals, right? So remember, you came up like, what would you do for Firmino's numbers in this team? Who, you know, who thought we would have said that sentence? Right, right. <laughs> Back in the day, Firmino was a guy we looked at and we like one in three is not good enough. Yeah. Salah and Mane are carrying. Who, who, what would you do for Mane's clutchness and decisiveness and that ability to unlock a, a, a team? In those days when Salah's not 100% on his game, he he's decisive. And the days when they're both on it, teams are getting blasted, right? So you're now stuck with a lot of investment in an attacking line. Yeah. And no clear, real successor to Salah there, and no player that you can even look at and say, you know what, you can chip in. 
you can chip in for sure. Well, I, I think I think the, the only thing here is that weirdly, 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 if you think we are here without three attackers scoring any kind of kind of goals, if we get them into any kind of normal human form, we have the biggest upside. In normal that sense. human form, I love that. <laughs> Honestly, and I'm not saying I'm not even flexing. I'm saying if a guy can just give me one in three or something like that, suddenly we're we're like tripling the number of goals we score. It's, it's, it's mad that we're here. It's interesting, but then when 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 do you when do we come to the conclusion that this is who they are? Like just you mentioned earlier about that not having this like optimism, this this hopeless hopeless optimism, just because the nature of a fan is to see the bright side. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. do you look and say like they're just not it? I I think. I think I'm already there. I already think this is who they are. But I, I refuse to accept that a guy is earning money for not scoring goals for two to three months. Like You're I, seeing it, brother, and I'm seeing I'm it at seeing my club. But, but Mariah, surely, surely the Almighty cannot make that six months. Surely. It's happening. Surely. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> The thing is, they're, they're playing. The thing is, with these guys, I, like I'm still not sure. Like the only one I'm sort of convinced on that is like maybe there isn't that much upside. Well, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say I'm convinced. The only one I'm sort of beginning to realize maybe there might not be this upside on is Nunes. I genuinely believe that you could get more from these. I, I, I believe you can get some goals. I mean, I hope you guys believe because yeah. we discussed it at but, nauseam, you know? Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Like, I think Diaz, Diaz, you get the least. You've got more hope in Gakpro than Nunes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. In terms of scoring. In terms of scoring, yeah, I do. Gakpro is a better goal scorer than Nunes. Gakpro in the box. Gapo in the box. is a better and finisher than this. He's not yeah. in the box, bro. He's not in the box. Well, yeah. well this, is, this is what I want to say. I, this is thinks. what I'm saying. Right? Uh, <laughs> you mean it's not saying. Gapo stinks, I wasn't sure whether it's Klopp or whether it's Gapo himself in terms of what he's actually instructed to do. He lacks testosterone, bro. I'm telling you now. You need to chill. You need to chill. You're so out of your... Uh, your, uh, your battery pack. No, but yeah. my thing is here, like, if, if you're playing him against um, Gabriel and Tanita, <laughs> surely the instruction would be to, like, play off of them more so than to play, like, up against them. Do you know what I'm saying? I maybe try and be... Why, 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 why am I blaming... Oh, yeah, order, order. We're all talking over each other. Why is man blaming Klopp for Gakko being crap? I don't understand. No, no, to be fair, I, I just wasn't blaming Klopp. I was just saying, like, I wasn't sure what he was instructed to do yesterday. But I actually don't... I think Gakpo in the box is way more accomplished than Nunes. I could actually score a couple of goals. Yeah, but so so are you. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't understand. Yeah, Nunes is awful. Oh, yeah, Nunes. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Genuinely, from what I saw from Gakpo, like, in the World Cup, and some some of these goals at Liverpool, he looks pretty accomplished in the, in the box. I'm not trying to, like... Oh, the guy... I think, the I think guy. Get, Nunes and Diaz especially, I think Diaz's first six months at, at Liverpool or for, that first when he came in January I thought he looked he showed quite a bit so Shems, Shems, do, you, do, you, do you know why I have Nunes with more hope this is craziest discussion because we're saying not who has the highest ceiling we're saying who's closest to the floor right but yeah. it, it's the reason why I have Diaz above I mean lower than Nunes is because bro Nunes in terms of these chances I know he's not scoring them and I'm angrier than anyone but he's there He's there. The chances is the chance is either gonna go in or it's not. 
what I'm saying with Diaz, More likely not, but yes, yeah, likely not. But the the thing with Diaz is there's nothing going on, bro. There's nothing. The comp, the comp is just instrumental. There's no, it's an image. It's not even a video. Like it's, mm. it's, it's crazy. We we are looking talking about a player who's not doing anything. Whereas at least with Nunes, you're doing something. However badly you're doing it, you're doing something. But can I, can I just say that um, Gakpo being good in the box, he. He's a forty percent big chance converter. So that's another fallacy. He's the only light skin attacker in the Premier League that's not fast. Please, man. Yeah, please, man. No, forty percent is that like that that's, that's, that's not, terrible. That's How terrible. many minutes is, he is it up? terrible or is it below? Is that terrible, really? Oh, it's terrible. Who, who does he share? range with? Huh? Is it no. terrible, Nunes? No, no, no. Nunes, Nunes, Nunes is generational bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, don't know. I don't know if that's not this is a short number of chances, yeah, but, he's, but he's Gabriel Jesus level right now. Eddie and Ketia. He's also been deployed deeper, though, so it's not just... We haven't even spoken about Arsenal, though. Yeah, yeah, I was going to speak about Arsenal. Touchy Gunas, obviously not represented on this week's pod. They were really riled up this week, you know. Dr. Leroy was on a podcast last week. He said either it was going to be a close loss, or you can see Arsenal absolutely blaming them. Shem, I want to come across to you. Um, how do you think Arsenal did yesterday with the Anfield test? Um, so first 10, they looked really up for it. Um, and I thought I was thinking that they're gonna blow them away here. Um, especially on the counters, it looked like they they were they were getting in, especially um there were spaces there for them to exploit the likes of Martinelli, Saka. Um, and then after that, I, I, yeah, it really, it, it just went downhill from there, I think. I think it was interesting. I think the, we t- I said, mentioned earlier about the midfield, how Liverpool won that midfield. And I think something wasn't quite right in Arsenal's midfield. And I think, um, yeah, the reason why I say that is because, so whilst Liverpool were very like dominant and like intense in there. Um, so when you have, I'm not scapegoating, but when you have Havertz in there, Havertz is not, he doesn't do midfielder things. So it kind of felt at times that they had two in there in, in the sense that he wasn't actually contributing to trying to like gain ground in that midfield and actually try and win the ball and th- things like that. Obviously, that's not his game. He's more of a goal scorer. But I just felt like, obviously, Rice, Rice. I think Rice held it down and Odegaard was trying to receive the ball deep in areas as well. Over the, obviously, he got caught a couple of times, but he was trying. But I wasn't... But with Havertz, it, it seemed like there were a man short in there because he wasn't actually like trying to do midfield things and it left them a bit short in my opinion um which kind of allowed Liverpool to gain the advantage in there um but yeah I think a lot of their players were had a very very off day so like Martinelli for example Zinchenko um didn't play particularly didn't play well at all um so yeah enough day for Zinchenko though sorry is that, enough is that an off day for Zinchenko defensively though well Arsenal fans oh yeah yeah defensively he's not yeah he's never been the greatest but you know like I feel like Arsenal fans tell us a lot what he brings in possession, but even then, like I yeah, in possession, out of possession, yeah, hmm. yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good, but um, yeah, I, th- I think I think Saka looked okay. Um, Rice held it down, and obviously their centre backs were very solid. But generally, I think Arsenal as a team were just off it yesterday. Um, I think they struggled to cope with Liverpool's intensity, um, and yeah, and yeah, and their press as well. It was it was. It was I, I, I disagree, you know, Shams. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I don't, I don't I don't think they struggled with Liverpool's. Press. I think you could you could probably say that for it was a fifteen minute fifteen minute period where Liverpool had them in Alcatraz for sure. By the way, yeah. by the way, it's nasty that Arsenal fans are claiming it was eight minutes. It was not eight minutes. No, yeah, no, it, it wasn't. It was it was a significant period of time, and Shams is yeah. right. That period, like literally, there was like four 
ways of possession were back to back. They just got pressed off the ball from Endo, from Jones. Like that was really good for Liverpool. And I think Liverpool did wriggle control back of Arsenal after the start. So I do agree with Shems. But I thought that um, Arsenal actually managed a lot of this stuff really well because they didn't really concede many chances. And some of that is probably due to that like, Liverpool's just poor play. Salah, obviously, a brilliant goal. But Salah was low key playing against them. I'm not going to lie. Salah yeah. was definitely, Salah was playing against him. He messed up so many transition attacks. It was so, yeah. yeah. And, and in terms of the midfield battle, I think Curtis Jones and Endo, I thought they were very, very impressive. Not very, maybe not very impressive, but they were the better midfielders in like the early, in like the first half. But I think in the second half, I think Odegaard and Declan Rice rose it. I think um, Odegaard was getting on the ball, turning, and you saw him playing in Saka and the other guys. I saw Declan Rice just like taking a ball, driving forwards, like, um, he was actually looking to receive the ball, shimmying out a bit of pressure and playing passes out wide. So I actually think that those two players really got to the game. And that's why the last 15, 20 minutes, and I think that probably goes along with Klopp's subs, 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 like I think Arsenal had the better of the game and got to a point where I think Arsenal even played the better football. Like when it got down to the football, I think Arsenal played a better football. Um, obviously, I think Trent was brilliant. Uh, but I think that was the only way I see something happening for Liverpool was either via Trent or via mistake. None of the other boys yeah. were actually cracking. Graven Birch came on like a secret agent, just awesome. giving the ball away giving him every single every single time. I think Martinelli, Martinelli got to a point where he was scared of Konate because after the fourth joke, he's like, Do you know what? You're gonna hey, have it, big bro. Like he, he was doing it. I thought Saka that for Saka when he actually got the ball in the final third, he did look dangerous. But anytime he got it back to goal, Liverpool, I thought contained him very well. But yeah, I thought I thought um, Liverpool managed. I mean, Arsenal managed the game pretty well. Remember, it's Mason home. The onus yeah. is on Liverpool. Liverpool didn't like didn't really create that many chances. And I think in terms of like territory and flow of the game, I think Arsenal probably had a better of it. And I think it was definitely value for the draw. I, I think the result as well. I, you know what I'm I, I disagree a little bit. I think I yeah, think also, you're right. And also, the pitch, also, the pitch really shaked Arsenal. I think I think you're right in the sense that Arsenal, yes, Arsenal did manage the game well. And it defended excellently for sure. But where I disagree is I don't think Odegaard had a good game. I think um he turned over the ball quite a few times and generally his influence, he just couldn't influence the game as he would like to and as Arsenal would have liked him to. Um so I disagree there. I mean uh, and go on. I was gonna I say this with, with, with the Od with the Odegaard thing, the only thing I would say is there's a difference between Odegaard, Odegaard picking up the ball up in a place where you don't want him to. Whereas I thought Odegaard dropped deep a lot to get the ball where we let him have the ball. Um, and, and I think that helped negate. Because the one thing I don't want Odegaard to be doing is, you know, Arsenal play the ball between the low lines and Odegaard is feeding attackers. Yeah. Whereas the only pass he had was out wide. Really, he didn't really thread anyone in. Yeah, and I agree, and that kind of goes back to the point I was trying to make at the beginning that I don't, I feel like something isn't right there because Odegaard <laughs> has to come extremely deep to try and do those things. And in all fairness to him, in all fairness to him, like I rate him for doing that because, again, not not a lot of players have that bravery and that technical ability to take, to take the ball in areas he does. Yeah. But this is this is this goes back to my point at the beginning. Is I don't think something's right there because the fact that he's having to do that all the time, and the the third man there isn't actually ever trying to do that. I think it's a problem personally. I think the only midfielder that was good for Arsenal yesterday was Rice, personally. Nah, um, I, so whether that's Rice was giving them the ball the whole of the first half. I think yeah. that, he threw down his legs in the first half. When, when that, especially when that game press got active, he was like, whoa, 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 there were parts of it. I, I thought I thought 
Odegaard, yeah, there was a couple of times he got dispossessed, but Odegaard was constantly looking to get the ball. And Odegaard was the one that actually was progressing the ball the most for Arsenal. He he low-key does half of the job in possession because not Arsenal don't have Partey, who was brilliant at that. So they're kind of missing something. And then they obviously had Xhaka as well. So swapping out Xhaka and Partey for um, Rice and Havertz, they kind of lose a bit in build-up. And I think they've adjusted that with Odegaard. Um, coming deep, but actually, I think I think I've been harsh on him, Shams. I think I think Odegaard, especially in the second half, I think, and I think we also got to manage how we judge performances when it's a really tight game. And I think you got to also look at people's performances in the context of everybody else on the pitch. Is that the stereotype? Like, what game did Odegaard play the other day? I think it might have been Wolves at home. Maybe it's that game when Odegaard was just brilliant. It won't it won't that type of game. I think, but I did think he was like I did think he was excellent. Um, not excellent. I think he was very good. I think Saliba was excellent. Um, I think Konate was excellent. I think Van Dijk was excellent. I think the centre backs were excellent. To be fair, also, I, I was. I was and, and Trent as well. I was going to agree with you on the fact that I think when you're playing at Anfield at that kind of atmosphere and that intensity, there's a cap on how well you can play. Like it's not the place where you're going to have 100% pass completion and you're going to complete eight through balls like a an easy game at the Emirates. Do you get what I mean? Like I think I think he did well based on the circumstances. And I thought Saka had a really good battle with Gomez. There were times where Gomez got some good tackles in, some some good defending from Gomez. Other times, Saka put great balls in that Jesus and Havertz were nowhere to be seen and Martinelli were nowhere to be seen in the box. So I thought all in all, it just looked like a tussle between two teams that were similar level. And these are not teams that are the level of your... City last year of your ninety-seven point Liverpool's. These aren't teams that are that good. I think they they are they are as good as this season will probably produce. But I think these are not teams you're going to be writing in history about by any means. Fair, fair. All right, guys, we're pretty much halfway through the season, so I thought it'd be a good exercise for us to kind of review the, the typical awards that the, the Premier League handles out. Let's like put our eyes on the players who are who are doing well and catching our eye 18, 19 games into the season. Um, so I'll start with the... And I'll use their official names because I think some of them sound hilarious. Um, the Hublot Young Player of the Season. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's presented to the best performing player age 23 or younger at the start of the season. Who, who, who are we giving that to after 18 games? Young player. Destiny. Yeah, the Hublot young player. Ooh, yes, Destiny. 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 Yeah, I'm Destiny Doki. I like the sound of it. Is anyone I'm else? Really really okay, Destiny. All right, cool. Love that. Um, next one. The Castro Game Changer of the Season Award. Given to the individual with the single most game-changing performance during the campaign. Frank Alexander-Arnold, surely. Which game was that? I'd say Fulham. Free kick and then last minute winner for the four three. Yeah, that, was, that was that was mad. But I think that Dominic Solanke has got a shout there as well. I think he's changed a lot yeah. of games for for Bournemouth. Um, Is this player of the season or talk about a particular game? Yeah, astral game changer of the season given to the individual with the single most game changing performance during the season. So you need to be referring to a specific game here, not a, an amalgamation of multiple games. Okay. Um, game changer in a single game. So you put Trent in, against Fulham up there. Um, Mush. Trent is a shout. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there's more. There's more. 
you got to be fair, Declan Rice, Declan Rice, two stoppage time winners, one against United. So that I put Eric Corroff and he was okay in that game. I'm not, no, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Not game, we're talking about not game, game changing. But if it's game changing, what about Scott McTominay against Brentford? Come on, man. Come on. Exactly, that's what I know. Is that not um, a big change of a game, though? No, no, no. Yeah, Doku, Doku. Man got that Doku against the game that they were taking at home. Yeah, yeah. four assists. Yeah. I think, who was that? Yeah, I can't remember who it was against. That was that was. It could have been anyone. That was Bournemouth, I think. Was that Bournemouth? I'll double check. I think so. Yeah, but that game still. Man said Declan Rice come and behave, man. Yeah, you, like again, like individual performances here. Uh, right? There was a performance that Sterling did against Rice Burnley. is so shameless, man. Sterling against who? Who did you mumble yeah. there, James? Against Burnley. Okay. Uh, no. I think he got. What do you mean? No, you're, talking, you're saying you're saying game changing performances, right? That was a game changing performance. We were one yeah, nil down. down, man. We were one nil down, and he literally rose it and took the ball. He got he got an assist um from the own goal and scored. And he was expert. Right? Shams, I think that's like that's, think that's, that's, the average, that's the average Madison performance. Yeah, that's fine. But right, right, right. Oh, the question yeah. was game changing performances, and he changed the game completely. Oh, game. The single his name, like six six games. Games. So what, what, what basically we mean here, because I think I feel like there's a, there's a there's a struggle to understand this award. This is hilarious. Among the it's a performance, and you come away like, wow, this guy was amazing. Not oh, a guy just scored two goals. No, no, no. I genuinely that moved me. That, no, that wasn't to, that wasn't to you, Sam. That's just generally to. the Gallery, you know, yeah, like, like yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you, that's genuinely how I felt after that game. So, oh, wait, if you're saying wow, this guy's amazing, do you mean performance of the season? As in no, a in the award? game, yeah, in a specific game, in just one game, a game changer award. The fact you guys are struggling to really get this one, I think the Premier League need to look at this one. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll move on. The next one, oh, Doku. we said Doku, he's got yeah. Doku or Trent, yeah, all right, you lot said Doku, all right, cool, Doku, man, not Trent. Next one. The Oracle Most Powerful Goal is awarded to the goal with the fastest average speed of all goals scored from outside the area. Yeah, move well, on, man. Man, ain't, man ain't move on, man. Um, just Oracle... let me take some Sabozlai one, man. Just give it to me. <laughs> and the Oracle Most Improbable Comeback is given to the team who come back to win from the most improbable circumstances or where there was the lowest probability of victory. Oh, it's a statistic-based award. Never mind. All right, let's go to the traditional awards that we... Uh, all know and love. Player of the year. Who's the player of the year 18 games in? Oh, I don't give a heck because it's Jimbo Madison, fam. It's... Madison for me. I'm still sticking with Madison. How many games has he played? Like 10? <laughs> He's played 11, 11 games. I'm still well, sticking with Madison. Uh, just about half. <laughs> I'm still sticking no, with Madison. Half. half would be nine games. Yeah, just about half. No, not just about, brother. 11 to 5 about 18. That's uh, 61%. 61%. Okay, so it's majority majority of the season, yeah. <laughs> cool. So you guys want to put Madison on the table. Obviously, I'm sure Mush yeah. is gonna want to put Salah on the table. Who else are we putting on the table? Salah Salah's justifiable. Um, yeah, Son justifiable. Son is who I feel you should be leading with at this point, Tobes. Okay. You're still pushing Madison. Listen, Son, Son's been some Son's been amazing for us, but listen, Madison is it's just different, bro. It's just different. Sixty-one percent of the games, brother. He's he's out of it. He's out of it. <laughs> uh, so you said Son. You said Salah. 
Uh, we've said Madison. Not think, really uh, any City players for me. Hey, hey, hey Rush, I'll tell you why Madison shouldn't be out of it. Cool. Let me see your okay. face when you lied to me. <laughs> no, I have to, I have to hold on. The reason why I say that is because he's probably had more good games than everybody else, even though he's been 11. Let's you, know, you know I'm right. Let's you know I'm right. Saliba, Declan Rice. Um, both of my dead Saliba and Rice are shouts, definitely. No, they don't. Definitely. No, they don't. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yes, they, they are. Have, they, don't have more, they don't have more of a shout than Paqueta. Yes, they do. What are you talking about? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You just said, wait, wait, you just said Paqueta doesn't have... Saliba and Rice don't have more of a shot than Paqueta. Nah, that's crazy. You're you know crazy, you're man. dealing with Tobes, though. Did you're you crazy. see what Paqueta did yesterday? You're dealing with. Did you you're crazy, bro. You're crazy. You see, have you seen what Saliba's been doing all season? Oh, I barged a guy and I do a nice shimmy. Hey! Yeah, you're, you're mad. You're mad. Let's move on. You're mad. This guy's crazy. He's tight. He didn't decide. He knew we giving it to. Pause. So wait, who did Shems? Who did Shems? Shems and Shelly. Shems didn't say anybody. Shem He's gonna say Sterling. <laughs> he tried out the Gucci. Do you remember? He tried out the Gucci. He tried to afford Sterling. He's gonna say Sterling. <laughs> Go on then, Shems. So we've got Madison, Son, Salah, Van Dyke. Saliba, Rice. Is there anybody else? Wait, 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 wait. So we don't have Holland. But we have Saliba and Rice. Boy, Tyler oh, Holland, boy. You could have Holland if you want, fam. Has Rice been better than Rodri? No. But we have Rice. Rodri's up there. Rodri's up there. Rodri's yeah, up there. But Rodri's had. Rodri's had. The thing is, I was told that Rodri's been sent off, so you have to mark him down for that, which is which I get, which I get. Are we allowing Allison then? Yes, no. yes, he should be there. He should be a contender. No yes, bro. no goalkeeper. Yes, 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 he should be there. He should be there as a contender. He should be there. I think it's hard to pick a standout here. We have we yeah. we have we have men that are controlling games. We have men that are scoring wonder goals, setting up teammates. Am I talking about man? That are claiming crosses and saving one v one performances this week. You have to respect Sorry, performances. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You have to he actually, he's, he's actually tapped. I'm telling you, this guy is oh, tapped. I think, I think, I think Alice is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. He's tapped. Alice is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. Have seen Congratulations, bro. Have you seen that meme with the guy in the like in the jail and he tries to get the gun and blow his own brains out? I'm not talking about Van Dyke and Saliba. Only Watkins, only Watkins could be in the conversation. What happened to the game I love. Yeah. Okay, so we're not sure on this one either. But um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this one. We couldn't quite come to a consensus here. But we've also got our own awards. We call them the triple. Uh, we call them the triple S awards. Let's go around. I'll start with you, Disu. Um, who's your star of the weekend? Star of the weekend. Ooh, this is this is a tricky one because no. Oh, Solanke. What am I talking about? Uh, Mush. Who's your star of the weekend? Gosh. Um... You, want to say Salah. you can't say Salah, bro. Yeah. I don't want to say Salah. Um... I wanted to say Solanke. That's why I'm annoyed. Um, you can say the same person as a clear star of the week. It, it has to be. It has to be Solanke. Yeah. Um, Tobes, star of the weekend. Yeah, I'm giving it to Solanke as well. Can't argue with a hat trick. Yeah, and Shem, star of the weekend. Yeah. Oh, um, I will start with you this time, Shem. Who for you is Saudi bound? Saudi bound. Um, 
Thiago Silva? Did you pull mine, yeah? Nah. Huh? <laughs> I would, nah, I wouldn't say Thiago Um, This one's difficult. I'm going to say Hoyland. Tobes, that would be bad. Look, come on, man. Get him out of my sight, honestly. Saudi bounds. That cocaine Carrasco, bro. Get get him out of my club, man. I've, I've had enough. That's Luis cocaine Carrasco. Luis Diaz, who else, man? <laughs> and this is um, Saudi bounds. Luis Diaz, dad. All the Premier League dads, yeah. All the Premier League dads, get your shoulders, yeah. I'm actually crying. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> finally, um, oh. Who's, under, who's under surveillance? This is oh, uh, who's under surveillance? This week? Oh, my god, I can't breathe. Um, <laughs> oh, who's under surveillance this week? Um, Garnacho, cool, he's, he's back to back weeks, yeah. Um, much. <laughs> Who have you got under surveillance this week, brother? Um, what did I say? Got actual last week? Yeah. Okay, I'll change it. I'll change it. I'll change it. I'll change it. Um, what's my man's name? Um, Sir Jim Radcliffe. <laughs> Mush, who's under surveillance this week? Um, I'm going to go for surveillance. Do you know what? I'm going for Mikhailo Mudrik, man, because they. I, I cannot believe what I'm watching at the moment. <laughs> it's scary hours, isn't it? It's I scary can't hours. Believe it. I can't believe it's the same score. But yeah, oh, quick, hey, quick go on the Chelsea game, yeah? That performance today from Nicholas Jackson, yeah. <laughs> it's a first ballot hall of shamer. Why is he not That's a ballon hall, bro. That's the ballon hall. That's what That's it is. Ballon what? Ballon hall. Ballon hall. <laughs> That's not a bad. That's a ballon ball performance, bro. Terrible, bro. Terrible. All right, so who you got under surveillance, sir? Dominic SpongeBob Sabozlai. You are under surveillance, brother. Yeah. And Shems, who have you got under surveillance, bro? So I thought you said Shems before. No, I mean, um, I've got Martinelli. Ooh. I like that. I like that. Two league goals this season. You're back up. You're back up, Um <laughs> <laughs> With some listeners' questions. Uh, first one right. is from Tops881 of uh, New Spurs All the Fame. Now at the midpoint in the league, what's the real representation of what kind of player Subboz is, given the level of his performances and constant substitutions despite the big transfer? We were told he was the next SG. So I guess he's saying, based on the kind of fluctuations in this first half of the season. Oh, shooting guard. <laughs> Stephen Gerrard. Because <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't have been Stephen Gerrard. What is the real Sabozza? We had Julian on last week, and he was saying that potentially he's tired. Um, but then I kind of... <laughs> I kind of... I, 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 
that suggestion and he kind of like stopped, stopped that angle, which was quite disgusting. Um, I, I would say it's been, he had eight good games. It's now eight good games and eight bad ones. So yeah. we're just down the middle at the moment. I would say yesterday was different to the other poor games he's had because the other poor games, he wasn't doing anything defensively or offensively. At yeah. least now he he is switched on tactically. But yeah. bro, I've, I've got to trust that when you receive the ball, you know what you're doing, man, because right. it is just... Yeah, but then at the same time, go back three days and he's scoring a banger from the edge of the box. So I, I just don't know how to judge it, man. I, I can't have it as unpredictable as this. So. The thing is, he looks he looks like he's got like he's he's got some good attributes that you can work with. I, I don't think he's a bad player, but I just I want to see more from him to justify the noise that was surrounding him so far this season because well, it was too much noise. Was the noise justified at the time to you, Tobes, in his performances? No, it wasn't justified at the time. He was playing well, but the noise wasn't justified. And now the noise, it's it's making me deaf. That's that's how bad this guy's performing. So, yeah, um, he needs to sort it out. He needs to sort it out because he's got the capacity to do so. We've already seen him play well this season. So it's not like we're asking him to do something he hasn't done. Just do it consistently. Sometimes players play through bad throws. I get it. But, yeah, they, they called him the Bruno of the Bundesliga before he came in, you know? And people are like, I can't believe they called him the Bruno of the Bundesliga. He, 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 he doesn't look like Bruno, though. Um, I think I think we're being kind of a bit harsh with Sabozlai. I think he's definitely gone off the ball, but what I've seen early in the season, I was very impressed. Like, he had, he had he has, he has an engine, even though he's, like, one of the most dribbled pass players or loses the most tackles or some shit like that, which is quite funny. But, like, you're seeing ingenuity, you're seeing some technique. You'll see energy. He's gone off the ball in a few um, in, in a few um, in the last few games, but certain man, if they sorted off slow, people say, "Oh, give him time." So mm. sort of good. So I don't know. And I think Liverpool's midfield is just a bit of a weird balance. So I kind of feel sorry for a lot of the players there. But I actually think he's. I actually think he's been good more than he's, he's been rubbish. Right. But it's just because of the fact he's been rubbish in recent times. It's now overridden. More prevalent in the memory. Yeah, and that's what I think. Yeah. We have to start actually. I do agree with that. I think we have to start noting down. I think we're going to probably... Tr- I'm going to try and make Touchline as a whole do this for next season. We're going to start rating place performances because what happens is people get caught up in the moment and then what happens in the early part of the season, people act like it didn't happen. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I think it's a great season. It's like, hold on, for the first two months, he was non-existent. The first two yeah. months... Eight yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I call that uh, Bernardo's, Bernardo, Bernardo Silva syndrome where man could not do anything until about February and then when... And then he starts kicking in, in in the running. And we say, oh, my God, Bernardo is so great. These times, Kevin De Bruyne has been carrying him in his back pocket for the last six months. So, yeah. I, I think what will be a good interesting observation is some of the touchline guy, I mean, the cop end guys have said, and I want to see this unfold because I never noticed it. <laughs> Sabozlai plays better when Jones starts. So now that Jones is starting games, it's going to be interesting to observe whether that, you know, we've got a little experiment to, to kind of work towards. Yeah. Yesterday, it's a sample size. Not not quite true at the moment, right? Cool. Yeah. Next question for underscore Lord Harold of Copend. Is this Solanke form a purple patch? Or can you see him improving further and replicating this for a bigger team? He plays like this every week. Know. He plays Time like will this tell, every man. week. I actually don't know. Well, it's funny because me and Tobes, uh, me and Tobes and a few others, and, and much, I think I'm not sure if much you and them discussed yesterday, we were arguing about Solanke when I said Solanke is better 
he's better than Gabriel Jesus. Um, oh, and yeah, I agree. And people are like, oh, you can't say that. Da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Like, this is like the first season where it's a very good goal return. But we've got to look at things in context. You can't just look at Wikipedia pages, right? He was a very young, talented player at Chelsea, never played. Went to Liverpool, never played. Then goes to Bournemouth. I think they got relegated. Goes Championship. Mm. And now, like, Bournemouth's like the first time he's playing regularly. Goes Championship, smacks it up. Come back, I'll be like eight or nine goals, eight or seven assists in the league for Bournemouth. That's pretty respectable because it's Bournemouth. Now this season, he's getting it cracking. Like, if you look at his numbers, in terms of big chances, he's about, since he's been in the Premier League, back in the Premier League with Bournemouth, he's about 50%, which is like elite numbers. You're seeing, just look at the performances. You're seeing athleticism, running behind on the left or the right. Great in the air, good touch, link up, can finish, can dribble. Like, you've got to analyse the situation. And I think when I was looking at Nunes, when I heard United and linked to Nunes, I went to watch, I like to watch all strikers' goals. And I'll say, there is no way on God's good earth this brother scoring the same amount of goals, these type of goals in the Premier League. I thought that's the first thing I said, some horrendous finishes, man. Yeah, like, like I was like, this, I don't see this being replicable. But what I see from Solanke, I see it being replicable. So I believe that this isn't a perfect purple patch because I believe this is the start of his takeoff. And I think it, it can be replicated. I think whoever gets Dominic Solanke is a very, very lucky team. I, 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 yeah, go on, go on, James. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, I agree with this. And the reason, just to add to that, is because as a footballer, when you look at his traits, um, he's got traits that would that would, what's what I'm looking for? It would replicate well at a big club. So take Arsenal, for instance, who like to play very intense and they, they play like intricate, in, intricate play um, when, they, when they attack um, with the likes of Odegaard and Saka Martinelli and Solanke to a T. Um, generally, he's, when you look at his attributes, um, he, he suits that. Like he's able to play, he's able to link, he's able to, and, and on top of that, he scores goals. So um, when you look at the player himself, like his traits, they fit what a lot of big clubs are trying to do. Um, so I think it can be replicated. The only thing I would say is that obviously the weight of expectation um, for scoring goals and being the main guy at a bigger club is much, much greater, which can, it can weigh on some players. But um, Solanke has, he has some experience of being around a big club, but um, how he how he would feel mentally kind of on, on that level of being the main guy is the only question I would say. But I think from an actual tr- traits standpoint i think he's got it yeah it's interesting because he was a wonder kid at chelsea right and there was a lot that was like pinned on his shoulders as a young player and he's almost had to like go back go down a level and get it out the mud and basically re-establish his reputation he's 26 years old now i think so he's now at a stage where it looks like he's a comfortable premier league striker i don't think anyone's going to get him from bournemouth in january because just like when Grealish was at villa He's a difference between them being in the Premier League and not being in the Premier League. We know that's 90 million a year. So it's a club if they put a stupid fee on him, completely justified. But I think in summer, I wouldn't be surprised off the back of a 15-ish goal Premier League season that a bunch of teams are looking to, to grab him. We know that the striker market now is horrendously overpriced. Um, so a player who knows the league, who knows the country, who's got a very diverse skill set. He's comfortable running the channels. He can use a variety of finishes. He can play in tight spaces. He's quick. He's strong. He puts the effort in. That's a really good player, you know? So you're going to have to play good. Mariah, I was going to say, the things that all of you guys have said, I almost feel like the reason people don't rate him is because they know his history. And it's like, you know, everyone might rate a Sesco or something like that in Europe. 
but we don't see we don't see the sample size he played against. We don't know what teams he play, plays against. How many times do we watch ninety minutes of him? Fact. You are seeing the guy play well against the teams that if he joined your club, he would be playing against. Right, and he's demonstrating elite competence at various aspects of the game. Right. It's just because you know how he was doing at twenty that you're judging him. Like, like I genuinely, I genuinely think people don't rate him because they know too much about him. And if they only, like, like if you ask, for example, United fans at the start of the season, would you want Hoyland or would you want Solanke? A lot of United fans, because it's shiny new toy syndrome, would have said what I was saying in the group chat, Mariah, can I attest to it? Like, it's, it's exactly that. Um, when a player's from a foreign club, you haven't had a time to watch his journey, he's foreign, he's got a bit of reputation, you've seen his best bits um, in terms of highlights on YouTube and Twitter and so on and so forth. These type of players get more respect. And, that, and this is what we have loads of debates in the chat. That's why I'm trying to hail up the likes of Watkins, Tony, Solanke, Callum Wilson. Because these guys are playing for like mid-level clubs, essentially. One well, Newcastle probably better than that. And scoring goals and doing really, really well, carrying the attacks. And man are not respecting them, but they will be slutting. Bro, we saw my slot from Modric. Ain't nobody watched him. Exactly. Nobody watched him. Man was you see, how many people at the time would want Mudrick ahead of someone like Mbwemo? And Mbwemo's been putting in work in this league for how long? Yeah, it's true. So I think sometimes as football fans, we've got to take out all the noise and actually just look at what happens on the pitch. Obviously, it's difficult to assess a player if you're not watching week in, week out or ever watch like, let me, like a lot of these games does 90 minutes. But if that's the case, just say, OK, cool. From what I've seen, he looks good. Let's wait and see. But some people like Russell, like I've had it with some of my friends, Solanke, no, we can't do that. Like he hasn't scored that many goals. I'm like, bro, because he hasn't played. <laughs> like he hasn't played. That's the reason why. Now he's playing and he's scoring. And maybe people think it's easy to score goals from Bournemouth. But he's currently on pace to score about 20 to 22 goals for Bournemouth, right? Certain people's favourite strikers have never, have never done that for top teams. So we'll see, man. I think, I think, he's, I think he's a class player, man. Yeah, good to see out there. Um, one for Retta AFC. Um, will Klopp have to sacrifice Europa to keep up the title charge? AFCON and the Asian Cup is also near, and Europa's schedule is always annoying around February, March. Arsenal fan experience. Um, I think the squad is so is very is deep and being managed well. Um, that I think the the players that come in, like you know, Europa games, you've got Kwanzaa who comes in, mm. you've got the likes of. Sim, when Robertson's fit, Simicast is a good deputy. I actually think our second choice options are Europa League level players anyway. So I actually don't think it's that much of an issue, issue for the Liverpool squad. And on top of that, these are the games where the likes of Gakpo and Nunes and stuff should be racking up goals. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it affects our outcomes. Fair enough. Uh, next, next question is from Lacasse underscore Stina. If you was allowed to decide the starting fixture for your team, but it's the same one every season. Which one are you picking? As an Arsenal fan, I'd just pick Liverpool away to get it out of the way quickly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, if you are picking the first fixture of the season, every, but this was who you'd have to pay as the first fixture of the season every season, who would you pick? Hmm. In the spirit of that, I, I would pick one of our bogey teams as well because I feel like playing teams at the start of the season, they might not be quite ready. You might have a few players returning from pre-season or international tournaments, so you could catch them off guard. Right. So I would pick so I would pick an Everton or a Manchester United away. Those are our real struggles. 
I'll pick a City City at home because we always seem to get yeah. good results yeah. against yeah. City. And you just want as of late, so I think you just want to put the points, Tobes. Yeah, start off. Start. Yeah, off. yeah I want the points. I want, I want. I want the big scalp and the points. I don't want any of this. Oh, let's go away from home and lose up. No, no, I want the points. Well, <laughs> <laughs> is, is there any team that would that you'd like to get out of the way early doors? Um, I would say, I would say, thinking of time of season, if we're going to do play against Thugball, give me Newcastle first game before anyone's got any wear and tear throughout the season. Win that home game before Joe Linton's got enough reps in and, and, and just get that done, man. So, yeah, that's me, bro. Fair enough. I hear it. Disu, anyone for you? I don't know, because everybody thinks it's a bad day for us. I was thinking. Everyone is beating us. Three, away, all eyes on us. 3 p.m. kickoffs. It doesn't matter. White kit. Red kit. <laughs> like it doesn't matter because we <laughs> anybody can get it. Words to um, <laughs> I'm the can man, yeah, Mexican that's can, Dominican. <laughs> yeah. no, no, for us, yeah. nobody. We, we... <laughs> yes. This is this has killed me. This has killed me with that, Steve, with that Steve Harvey meme. Like, it's your kits, like, every man needs four suits. You put the tan <laughs> with the white. The white with the break. <laughs> I hate that thing so much. Bears like, of five shirts gives you like 80, 80 different combinations. Basically. And the combos are so, some of the combos are so crap as well. Like, you wouldn't wear this. You wouldn't wear this, bro. Maybe they would because they're American. Maybe maybe they would because they're American. Them men are crazy. Like a brown <laughs> shirt with a grey blazer and then like black trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh Lord, man. Question um, <laughs> is from SOSHGN. Shout him out. Will Chelsea and United both finish outside the top half? Whoa. I don't think no. United will, but there's an actual chance Chelsea man. Yeah, so if, just to like look at the table, um, Arsenal top 40 points, Liverpool second 39 points, Villa third 39 points, Tottenham four for 36. City have a game in hand, fifth with 34. West Ham are sixth with 30. Newcastle are seventh with 29. Manchester United are eighth with 28. Uh, Brighton are ninth with 27. Then there's a drop-off. Chelsea are tenth with 22. Wolves are eleventh with 22. Bournemouth are twelfth with 22. Um, they've got a game in hand. Fulham are thirteenth uh, with 21. Brentford are fourteenth um, with 19 uh, game in hand. Crystal Palace, 18. Everton out of the relegation zone. Um, they've got 16 points. If they'd had their 10 points, they'd be above Chelsea. Uh, not enough points. Have 14 um, points. Uh, Luton Town have 12 points with a game in hand. Burnley have 11 points. And Sheffield United bringing up the rear with nine points after 18 games. Boy, United's goal difference is minus five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, we we don't we can't it's score, bro. So you you just you think there's a chance Chelsea may finish outside the top ten, yeah? Bro, they have been on this like from Potter to Lampard, now to Poch. They barely win. I think I think they they've won the most the least games or accumulated the least points in 2023 the calendar year, and I just don't see why that's going to start changing. Mm. There's so many questions, but we're we're over two hours now, and it's Christmas Eve. I've got to go do some last minute shopping, so 
Um, listeners, somebody may take a look at these on Christmas Day, probably won't. Um, thanks to everybody who's like shared this space with us. It's been a while since we've done a live stream for the main pod, but it's been a pleasure. Tove, Shems, Mush, Disu, as always a pleasure, lads. Seasons, greetings. Um, we'll catch up with you all next week. Peace. 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 Yo, yo. When I spit bars in a rave, man, I go hard, left, stand, stand. Sports Social Podcast Network.